All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Crosswires. This feels a little bit weird because I'm really having to switch between my streamer personality and my podcaster personality because we're effectively doing both. And because this is being live broadcast to Twitch. Thank you to Squadcast for making it somewhat possible to do this. Uh, what's really interesting, I'm looking at this. So our Twitch viewers will see our frames. Can I say... No, go on. Oh, sorry. Sorry to, sorry to cut in this way, uh, uh, James, but this is exciting because I have done this for my former podcast doing live shows, and I've wanted to do it for our show, but in special occasions because I will say doing live shows every single week can be very taxing, can be very hard mm-hmm. in scheduling, but it's fun to have opportunities where we can combine my love of streaming with my love of podcasting and do it this way. So we're doing it we're live. We're doing it live. And you know, this is our second attempt. We, we, Me and Jay, and I think Alex realized something. We're not, well, so me and Jay realized this. We're not big enough to be early doors of event coverage. Everyone else is going to do a much better job of that because in many cases they were there. Um, but also, so much stuff comes out in the days after WWDC. Like, some of the questions we had when we first recorded have already been answered. So we also thought, well, we need to focus a little bit more on some stuff. So we're going to do this again. Now, we would love to hear from everyone in the live chat. So hello, live chat. You are all there. No one on the podcast can see what you're saying. So we'll be relaying your messages which is awesome. But people listening, this is absolutely an episode where we want to hear from you. So send an email over to podcast at crosswise.net with your thoughts. Um, You can send us audio clips as well, and we can incorporate them into some sort of listener mailbag style episode um, in the future. But yeah, anyway, let's introduce the panel. Obviously, you've got myself. I'm James, uh, and I sort of produce and edit this thing. You've also got my amazing best friend and partner, Jay. Jay, how are you doing? I am doing great. I Today's been a great day, and uh, being able to podcast with you and then podcast later on today, just behind the scenes, we'll be podcasting with another friend, but doing amazing. Absolutely. And then our special guest and returning guest, I think, I'm not sure, how, how many does this rack up now, um, Alex? 10 no i don't know it's about five it's or five or six five for cross wires i mean if we count yeah the show that cannot be named due to my contractual obligations um your your show now so alex um you run the interface as well as uh, what are you up to one two three three podcasts now three podcasts now the interface has been going for 10 years now as of last month obviously under a different name but yeah three podcasts now um so evie's ubiquity stuff as well and also the creative spotlight so have all good you, fun have you been able Keeps to combine all three of those into what actually actually you kind of have I, i've just realized you have tom lawrence tom, yeah, tom's got go. a tesla he obviously uses ubiquity gear and he's a creator there yep. we go there yep. we go there we go <laughs> awesome well thank you alex for for joining me i mean well while, while we're waiting for jay to to get back before we kick into this i mean first question i've got to ask you as someone who's been in the tech space for a while and done you know, this sort of coverage of events, what's your thoughts on Apple's new pre-recorded, no live live audience, no theatre-style keynotes? Well, I think the first thought I had, well, I was thinking about this the other day, like, are they going to stick with this going forward? So the, my first thought, do you remember when the iPhone ten was announced and they severely messed up with the, do you remember the they had to demo Face ID? Yes. And it, it, it basically didn't work because someone backstage had been fumbling and it had some 
like bad press about that incident. They probably want to avoid that going forward. It means they can just control what's going on. And also, I think you mentioned in our recording, the podcast recorded on Monday, that some people get access to stage time that might not want to talk in front of a crowd. So it's, it gives people a good chance to speak. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's the one thing I really do love is the number of diverse faces and voices that were seen at these keynotes. Now, Jay, obviously you are, I think it's fair to say, our resident diversity coordinator. How do you feel? Is that okay? <laughs> Can we give you that title? Oh, I love it. Hey, I, I'm good because one thing that I am trying to do is, is, is be about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I actually had a really good talk today with somebody about that. So awesome. I love it. Um, but what, what do you think? Do you think Apple are doing well on the diversity of presenters? I do. And I think one, one thing that I love about Apple is that they are run by a gay man. I mean, obviously it's, it's a, it's a white, cisgendered man. So there is that, there's, there is that dynamic, but I think that Apple's done a good job on trying to bring in diversity. And I love the diversity of like Apple Fitness and plus it were trainers. Which sounds weird, but they've really been working on this tech is also going into some of the other products. So some of the other things they're working on, and I'm going to guess some of the VR experiences, but I feel they're trying to make it where like it's not, they want to show that our world is, is different. I mean, the fact that they use a rainbow, I know it's Apple's brand colors, but the fact they use a rainbow in all of their stuff is pretty dang cool. I, yeah. I, and look, and there's some stuff that Apple have done in this release of iOS 17 that we're going to be talking about, which I really think helps diversity. And Apple, have, from an accessibility, from a from a disabled point of view and an accessibility point of view, Apple have always been forefront in accessible tech from a, from a home computing. The reason I use a Mac and I use iOS is because of the support, the really good support for visually impaired uh, people. And that was meant to be a very, very bad segue into our first major... Actually, no. Before we quickly do that, I want to say happy 15th anniversary to the App Store, the iOS App Store, 2008. Now, do we all remember that launching? I do. I don't think I had an iPhone at the time, but I remember it launching because I remember when it first came out, one of the biggest things... I wanted an iPhone... But one of the biggest complaints was that there was no app store, that you had to use Apple's built-in apps, which were nice, but they weren't quite what we wanted from a phone of this capability. It was all web apps at the time. That is true. And I remember jailbreaking my original iPhone to put CD on there and get apps. Like I had, like, yeah, I jailbroke my first iPhone to get the unofficial app store. But yeah, app store controversies aside... Yeah, Alex. What about yourself? Do you? Because uh, were you just a little baby? I don't. I don't know. I don't remember it. I wasn't. No, I was. Oh, well, was okay, you, so. you, you're. Freak, wow. <laughs> I'm working with children. <laughs> honestly, honestly. Right. That terrible segue aside, I think it's fair that this is possibly the biggest announcement of this keynote, and maybe I don't. I don't want to say this decade. Well, this decade is fairly short, but certainly. Uh, is it okay? The biggest announcement Apple have made since we moved to Apple Silicon. I actually will take a step further because I've I've been reading a lot of reviews on this device. Oh, impressions of this device, and they say that the feeling they got from trying it out is probably one of the most transformative devices in Apple history since the iPhone because of the fact that like the iPad was amazing, 
but it was a bigger iPhone and, and like the AirPods were wireless headphones, home pods, but this is a whole new way to access computers. And there's a lot of amazing questions that I ask to, to, to be answered by this, but also some amazing opportunities that this is going to solve. Yeah. What about yourself, Alex? What was your take on that? Yeah, I've uh, not never really been interested in AR, VR, but it's made me, because I didn't really see what, like other than games, what you could actually do with it. But the the demo videos they produced at the keynote sort of, yeah, it sort of gave you some convincing to make you think, oh, this actually is quite cool. And the fact that you don't need any controllers, you just use your fingers to control it. I mean, without trying it, there's not much, there's not much impression we can give on it, but it does look really, really cool. I can definitely say I see the vision Apple's going for. I'm sorry, I had to put that in before I got too far. Oh dear, we really started. <laughs> but no, genuinely, I think Joe, that pun aside, it's we, two things that you've said here. Both of you said without trying it, yeah, because no, very few people have tried this yet. Only some. Now, Marquez, br- hang on, Brownley, Brownley, MKB, HD. I always get this wrong. Great, great content creator. You know, one of is one of those people on the, on the list of people I would love to meet and and have a have a coffee. Yes, with. I've heard he's such a nice person. But his video, he really unpacked it and he talked about it. Now, apparently, no one's been allowed to film while actually using the headset yet. Only one play, only one person has. It was Good Morning America. Is that the right thing? Yep, they got to film while using it. Oh, interesting. So they very <laughs> that's such an interesting decision. Good morning, America versus say I mean obviously we're probably gonna gonna let not gonna let Linus film while filming it because they'll drop it. But I guess it makes sense to put it into mainstream media rather than the tech press, I I guess. I'm going to guess because the mainstream media will not tear it down as much as because good morning america will be like wow this is cool whereas every reviewer i've talked to who's gotten a 30 minute demo controlled has gotten access to it there was an interesting thing i pulled out of um john gruber's impression on this and before we get any farther i just want to i don't know if we've mentioned it but this is about the vision pro for anybody wondering apple's unveiled the vision pro uh, headset um and john gruber was able to find a friend who's actually been working with this for weeks at Apple. And this individual is the only one that's been open enough with John and, and the media to talk about like different aspects. One of the coolest things I want to bring up just before we get farther, because I thought this was an amazing tidbit. The John's source was only in the idea of what's ahead of us, you know, like a monitor until somebody at Apple who's also been using it said, Hey, put things around you and don't just focus on what's in front of you, but utilize all aspects. And this person said, since it's been, since they've done that, that it has made it where you can utilize everything. Cause like right now we're constrained to two monitors. If And like I have chat here, I've got stuff over here, but imagine being able to put that there and also above it, below it, all around you. There's a reason I think Apple's, focus on a circular thing because then you you can look in your field of vision but you're able to use every aspect of you this is a game changer for ergonomics too i hadn't thought about that that's uh mm. 
that's a really because the term they're using is spatial computing, which I makes a lot of sense because they're saying look, things have depth. You can make things big and move them around. And we did show a brief bit of where someone's got a window, maybe an iMessage window off here. But that makes so much sense because you know, for example, when I'm streaming with you know games for Crosswise Live, I will have chat on the iMac, and then. I'll have the game over here, and if I'm paying attention to the game, I'm not really paying attention to chat, whereas I could potentially have chat glanceable. And it is going to be that interactive with your environment. Now, this is now this is a fully immersive headset, as in you are looking through screen. There is, it's not transparent. It's not like Google Glass. It's two... We don't know the frame rate, but they are 4K. Um, Marquez said he believed it to be at least 120. Jay, do you know different? I um, one of the sources. I think The Verge. I think said they think it's 90 from from their 90 use. FPS. Uh, 90 hertz makes a lot of sense. It, I mean, it's possible for using adaptive uh, adaptive refresh rate in this. It'd be interesting. That would. What I heard as well. They're using so when you're with your eyes, obviously you can only really focus on one thing at one thing at a time. So apparently to make it feel less weird motion wise, the thing you're looking at stays in focus. Everything else gets sort of blurred slightly. And apparently Marquez was saying it's so, it happens such in real time. You don't even notice it, but it's to save power mainly. And also to make you not feel sick. So, and I've been hearing that with the way that the, the technology is at least right now in these settings, it'll be interesting to see what it's like in real world scenarios. Hmm. But even if you move your head around a little bit, things are stable that I think it was John Gruber who was saying that like, it feels like things are there and it's not the jittery thing that you get on some VR AR things, or even like when we do AR on the phone, things will move around. It's supplanted right there. And that helps more. You feel grounded. That helps you feel like you're actually in the environment. I've, I've been hearing a lot of people say that when you see the environment around you, you can tell that it's a smoother view of your surroundings, but even one of the Verge riders was using their phone through the headset, so it felt like they were there. And then when somebody came into view, the the there was kind of like a ghosty effect, so, you, so I could could tell when you're there. So there is some machine learning. There's something going on in that regard on people. Same stuff that's using with the AirPods. I'm going to speculate the idea of knowing what's around you. That some of that tech, but that you're you're isolated, but you're still in your area. But when you need to see people, they come into view. And I've so there's a lot of ways. That's cool. So it it's trying to combat that potential isolation because that's the problem with so traditional VR. Like now, my experience here is limited to. I'm going to be honest. The PlayStation VR, the first gen, not the new one, the first gen, and. No cameras on that whatsoever. All the camera stuff is done with a camera attached to a PS4 in this case. And then it's light tracking. So the tracking of movement is very limited. Um, but this is obviously... Now, I mean, the big thing here is it's obviously aware of your surroundings. It has to be. How, it, it's a ridiculous number of cameras. Is it 12 cameras it's got? 12, 12 cameras, yeah. Which is, I think, two downward facing because this is, yeah, like, 
Oh, I'm I'm really intrigued. What I'm really curious about <laughs> is to see, as you said, how smooth like looking around you is. Like, th- can you tell that you're looking through a camera? Yeah, because we've only seen demo videos right now. Everyone says it feels like you can tell a little bit of compression, but it seems like you're still there. That I. I do want to know how much of it is like the proper settings because someone was saying that depending on the lighting, some of the shadows could look a little more compressed, which makes sense. I mean, the camera technology is still not perfect. I, I kind of want to see what it's like when you're sitting somewhere. I think maybe that's why they have the environment feature as well is in the areas where it may not be so ideal. Maybe you can kind of, because right now a lot of the demos are spacious places, very clean, not, not cluttered like my place. And I want to see, like, how does it deal with all of that? Like, how does this deal with places that are not your ideal set for a video? This is a, a very good point. I mean, to be fair, the, the concept they gave, the, you know, the concept they gave of, you know, this being used in, in an airplane or maybe on a train. I think that's going to be so good because there's nothing worse than, Having to almost like, where, where, I don't know about either of you, but when you're on a train or a plane, where do you put your eye line? Like, because if you're sat opposite someone and you're not doing anything, do you, do you stare at them? Do you look around? Whereas here, you can sort of submerge yourself in a in a nice background, you know, and, and watch a movie. Now, ATP had an interesting question that they want to see some real world use of it. They said, if you're on an, let's just say a, plane that flies from america the united states we have very small planes typically and if these are supposed to be out far from you how does it deal with the seat that's literally like six inches from your face is it gonna like (laughs) the seat like or is it going to like immerse up up because there's some that is a really use case because when I fly over to, to, to England and it's a, that's a long drive <laughs> drive. That's a long flight. And sometimes it can be tough trying to get like comfortable. And if I could just put a headset on all this and immerse myself, it would be great, but you're in a very confined space. I have heard that for like using stuff, the cameras are really good. They didn't even have to move their hand away from their body for it to to get stuff so like you're not having to like point at stuff because the uh, the vision tracking tracks what you're looking at so they've so it, it is perfect for small spaces oh i see what you mean yeah you could just have your you could just have your hands on your just on your lap or whatever just you wouldn't have to move i think for the I think for the scenario of the plane i think you can choose what it does so i think you can choose to have a custom background I think I think in that scenario, I think it, you wouldn't even need to worry about something in the way. Then you can choose if it's transparent or not. That's true. You kind of almost want like an air, air, airplane ready view, like configured for middle seat, aisle seat, window seat, and it sort of cuts out the bits that you might want to see. Like if you're in window seat, <laughs> you get. Oh my gosh! Wouldn't that be cool? Is if you could you if there's a connection, you know, a lot of the uh, a lot of flights have the outboard cameras. Wouldn't it yeah, be cool yeah. if you could actually pull yes. that into your vision? You'd <laughs> be like, I'm flying, and you start. Oh, oh, sorry, passage. Oh my gosh! But, I'm now imagining cruise ships. Imagine being on a cruise ship environment, and and you can kind of wherever you are on the ship, you can have like a 
here's this cruise ship's custom branded room and you can look out like the porthole and stuff like that no matter where you are and you see a lot because a lot of ships especially some of the, the disney ships have a view of the outside from the bridge imagine using that stuff oh. while you're in this i mean there's a lot of cool implications and disney's going to definitely be working with them in a lot of ways i could see this being one of the things that they do oh gosh yeah I mean, I think let, let's talk a little bit about one thing that I think is important. I know at least to me and Jay is how it's going to be. Well, in fact, to all of us, how it's going to adapt. Because obviously when you talk a headset, you, you put it on your head. It looks like it's going to be very comfortable. Um, seems like, I mean, has anyone come back from the videos? I know Marquez said it was fairly comfortable, but like no one's obviously had a chance to try it with, a, with the actual Zeiss lenses yet. Oh, a few people have, and they said it actually has been working really well because Apple took a was able to look at like their glasses and th- do some tests. They actually had some lenses that were there, um, and it's been good. I have heard it feels a little top heavy sometimes. So, and it was only thirty minutes, so they they wanted to test how it is with it. Uh, I and the other question is how because it because it has a lot of heat. How does it feel? So. There are some questions that have not been answered in a 30 minute demo and the people that have used it for longer because of PR have not said anything yet. So there's quite a few questions we have. I'm going to guess there's probably some journalists who may actually have this and can't say anything. You know how there's always that person who's been using it for a long time. There's probably some people that there's an embargo and you'd be like, Oh, I've been using it for the last year. Apple sent me right for WWDC and hello. Come on, Bugs, new Apple Vision Pro with me. It is good. Oh, wait. I want to be at the level where we can be one of those journalists who gets these like for months, a year before. I think, the I think Alex has got more but, of a chance of that than we do, Jay. Um, I, uh, yeah. No. Alex, have you been using the Vision Pro? Are you actually using it right now? It's like a VTuber avatar that you're giving us. You're actually talking to us. But yeah, from what I understand, it feels comfortable and from what I've been hearing now, again, that's a 30 minute demo. So we, we have to see how it is. Jay's right. Now we, we should talk about some of, uh, obviously there's so much stuff we can talk about here, but one of the things I really want to focus on is first of all, look, these lenses great. Um, I do want to know how much they're going to cost because you know, it's not like just going down to spec savers to get prescription glasses. Mark Gurman is speculating 300 to 600, 300 to 600 dollars however i am going to also guess this is the first party stuff and just like watch bands people are probably going to make their own inserts already saw a company that worries me yeah but yeah there'll be inserts yeah i i know i would want to go with his ice lenses because you don't want to mess up something like that but that puts it look to put it in contact in contacts well yeah in contact lenses <laughs> uh, i mean for my contact i only wear the one because my eye conditions i pay six pounds a month for my contact lens that's how much i pay which translate at what uh 72 pounds a year Okay, and I bought these glasses for about a hundred. Right, my next pair are probably going to be un- under hundred. I'm actually thinking of getting some, but are designed for computer use. So I don't have to wear my contact. But that aside, so that's the sort of price point I'm thinking for a full a full set of glasses. Now, if Apple can reach out to say Specsavers here in the UK or whatever you've got over there, is it like Lens Crafters or whatever, whoever it is you've got who like your budget more budget friendly. I 
am thinking one of the companies like Zinni Optical. That's one of the biggest ones that's here. Like we have Lenscrafters and Wilbury Parker, but Zinni has definitely taken over and they're who I use for my glasses. I could see Zinni, if it's a market they would go for, could possibly come up with these well, lenses. Well, it would make a lot of sense to, for Apple to allow it. Let's see. But things you can do is obviously it's got its own OS. It's called Vision OS. And that's going to have apps at the moment. It looks like it is mostly just Apple's apps, but I mean, they do look pretty good. And the, the whole, like, what you've got Safari, messages, mail, photos. Oh, I want to talk about photos. Um, yeah, it looked. Oh, did I see Keynote? Yes, you did. Yeah. Now I can see that being really cool. I can see that working well on a VR headset. They did mention something in the keynote about um, iPhone apps coming to it. I'm not entirely sure how. But they, they mentioned some big figure about how many iPhone apps they've got, and they said some portion needs are coming. I can't remember the exact details. but Oh, you're right. Well, I guess it makes sense, because actually, just, uh, look, they've invested all this money in... Ca- is it Catal... Oh. Is it... It's not Catalyst, yes. um, But also the fact that it is running, because, look, jumping back a little bit... This thing is running an M2. It is a computer. It is a standalone device. It's running an M2 chip and then an R1 chip, which does all the calculations, all the processing for the cameras and for the eye tracking, everything like that. So it is a full-featured Apple Silicon computer. So there's no reason that it couldn't run the same iPhone apps that a Mac could. Yeah. Do you want to have a quick chat about how to how how you interact with it? And also some interesting there's some interesting accessibility features which they've already developed yeah so the main interactions is you can do that to sort of select things you can double tap to do something else you can pinch and hold you can drag you can zoom like that it's like pinch to zoom oh, nice. it's just that so oh, we should just for audio uh, for, yes for audio um oh yeah <laughs> alex is putting his fingers together so kind of like just like put, put your fa- your hand into a into kind of like an okay symbol in a way and just, and, uh, just put your your fingers together and from what i understand you can do that in very little movement is that like it's really good at knowing that you don't have to be like big and all that which is great for environments like the bus or the train or the plane someone mentioned they did it by accident but they just instinctively put their finger together gently and it just selected something and then you could do the same to, to zoom so you can drag your fingers apart to zoom and then the same for rotating objects what i found really interesting was all the accessibility stuff so if you can't do that, if you can't pinch the figures together for some reason, you can just you could just have a pointer like a like a wand to to tap on stuff with like a big stick that points out. I guess like that. Oh, that's oh, cool. That's a great um, idea. There's also something called dual control, which will provide on-screen options for tap, scroll, long press, and drag, allowing for users to interact with the interface without using their hands. So. That's that's really good. That's it. Dwell control is that's obviously going to be using full on eye tracking and full on eye responses, yeah. which is going to be. I think don't people with um, motor neuron disease end up having to go down that? Was it? Oh, who? I mean, I think Hawking didn't Hawking end up having to use a lot of eye tracking? That yeah, towards, I think so. Yeah, that and also SwiftKey developed his his keyboard. But yeah, he did a lot of stuff with like. Yeah. Swift Key Help, which is that Microsoft product now, was a huge part of, of his stu- stuff. And that's one thing I love about this is the accessibility. Like, I can really see somebody wearing this who can't move in a part of the, a part of the body and ha- being able to still use a computer 
Well, yes. Just like, just like anybody I else. Mean, like, is, this... is it okay to say this? I hope this won't offend. Um, I'll cut it if you want me to. It's obviously in my life. I was thinking about your brother-in-law. Absolutely. I was actually thinking about him as well because I think this would be amazing. And and he could tone down the lights inside the brightness that to what will be with him. Oh, yes. Because of, and even yes. the isolating and the sounds. That's a good point because he, yeah. So without going into too much de- details, Jay's, one of Jay's brothers, who we love dearly, had some life altering stroke and a lot of things are affected and this could, I mean, obviously it's look, we'll come to a price in a bit, but it's, it's a lot of options. Now, the other thing as well is a lot of voice input. So you'll be able to, Alex, you'll be, able, am I right? You, you can look at a search field and just start talking to it. Yeah. So you, your eyes are the cursor. So you can look at a search field. It will start responding. Just start talking. It will search stuff. So I assume that'll be true in any text input field. Apparently from what I've, what I've, Red, which yeah. is cool oh my gosh what? and authentication already has the optic id so y- you can automatically authenticate where you're, you're right because if it if the safari implementation supports web orphan and optic id is done in the same way that touch id and face id are done that's so easy wow and this could be why Apple's working on, on passkey and stuff like that, because then mm-hmm. they, they could um, automatically authenticate and take away the, the entire aspect of having to worry about authentication, that it's already there. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Opti- so Optic ID, by the way, just for those, Optic ID is the authentication method that they're going to use to effectively log you in, and it's going to be um, using the... So the eye tracking is done through... Uh, IR cameras and IR illuminators, loads of them inside the headset. And it's going to, every eye is unique. Now, my first thought is that scene in Wrath of Khan where Kirk's wanting the Genesis summary and he, you know, requests access and they'll do the retina reti- scan and access. And obviously they faked it all. But I mean, we're getting close to that level of authentication. There was some interesting, just a sort of, sidetrack a little bit there was literally announced i think it was literally a few minutes ago twelve thirty six p.m pdt whatever time that uh, is yeah where we are literally um, 10 minutes ago yeah apparently uh mark zuckerberg had a company-wide meeting with their employees at meta and said the vision pro is not magical and it costs seven times more than a, a meta quest 3 and they that's a whole big speech he gave saying it's it's basically um not magical <laughs> okay Mark, let me let me respond to Mark then. Yes, Mark, it does probably cost um, seven times more. But Mark, but Mark, but Mark, um, uh, <laughs> but Mark, it does not sup every single ounce of privacy. And in fact, let, let's be honest, Apple did not hold back their punches during the, this Vision Pro thing. Nope, I was saying that in our like, original original recording that they literally probably doubled down on. Um, sort of digs if they if they if, where they could, and Meta Quest might be a lot sh- less expensive. But think about the fact that when you use a Meta product, you are the product. That whereas with Apple, of course, they want you to buy apps, they want you to subscribe to services and buy the hardware, but they're not offsetting the cost of the hardware by your long time by your long term value as a customer. So you're paying a little bit more. But then a lot of things are done on device. A lot of the securities on device, 
For instance, apps will not get access to all the eye metrics. There's a lot of questions there. If an app needs metrics, how they're going to do stuff. What well, I've hang on, hang on. Been, what, what what would an app need? It would might need. Well, it might need to see what you're looking at. So, uh, wondering how they. No, no. Well, hold on, hold on. That yes. Except, wouldn't that be passed through the human interface layer? Wouldn't Apple would Apple will the OS would tell the app? I might be wrong, but what I'm saying. So well, go on. you make a good point. The, the 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 but then the the privacy is one thing about about marketing. What people are looking at on a website is not data that you can get from regular consumers. Only where your mouse pointer is. So marketers want this data to see what you're oh. looking at. So there's a big questions on what they're going to actually pass through for marketing purposes from a privacy standpoint. Well, I think they explained this, didn't they say that, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't pass up, there would be no tra- eye tracking data passed correct, on. Yeah. It's all done in a third player layer. The only time that the website knows about interaction is when you make that click. Okay. So the, so it is keeping track of what you're looking at. It's just doing the click to select the item and then go. Yes, but that layer of eye tracking is isolated completely from the apps. Which is huge because, again, that RI data, I know it sounds weird, but it is huge data for, for marketers. And and it's it's something that people have wanted for so long. Right, because you've done, you, you've studied this, you've studied communications. Correct me if I'm wrong. If, if, a, if a site owner knew which part of their site you were looking at the longest, not moving your mouse over, not clicking on, but knew where you were looking at any point, that hot that heat map would be so valuable data. Oh, absolutely. And and Oh yeah, I agree with that. And this is the stuff that Apple is, has been working on n- making sure that, it, that people know we're, we're we're tracking you, but we're keeping your data secure. And that that is that is one of the biggest things. Again, Mark I don't trust you to, with with my data, and that's valuable data, and that's another reason why I don't trust your your MetaQuest. Let alone says somebody who no longer has an app, a Facebook account. I don't trust your products, Mark. Well, isn't it sad that I mean, this is my take at least. Isn't it sad that Oculus, who are this honestly one of the forerunners in VR, are now just another Meta brand? I know because it's it's. I was so excited for the Oculus before Meta bought them. I mean. Um. What? Oh. Oh. So you can use mouse and keyboard with it, or mouse and trackpad. You can. Bluetooth. Now I assume that's not going to be limited to just Apple stuff. It will just have Bluetooth connectivity. Yes, because you can use um uh, game pads and stuff with it. That's already, true. So. That is a good point. So it will just work with any of your existing. I don't think it's going to have USB C for plugging in. Like, <laughs> I don't think there's a USB C port on it. Is there? There is on the battery pack. But I don't. I think that's just for power. That's not data. I was going to say you won't be able to plug in like an no. anchor dongle, and you know, and and plug memory sticks into your head. Yes, Jay. One um, big point on this, and I think it is a pretty big one. There's a question right now about how some of these VR headsets you have haptic feedback, or like you can use your hands for like touching yeah. things. There's a now we can use game pads, but it still won't feel quite like some of the VR headsets. Now this is not VR AR. This is a spatial computing headset. Yes. Apple's being very clear to say <laughs> what it is, but some of those VR headsets, you have the ability to use controllers. We've haptic feedback. With yeah. But, but can, but can tell yeah. when you're picking up an object because I think, um, who was, was it? 
um, I think it was Marquez who said <clears throat> there was a demo he was trying where a butterfly, or was it a butterfly, came and landed on his finger. That's but he correct. obviously couldn't feel it. Yeah. I mean, it sort of broke the bubble. But again, I, yes, I get that. Now, one thing kind of was I want to talk a little bit about is, you know, um, accessibility again, looping back. One of the things you can do is just by looking at a Mac screen. Now, I'm going to assume it will be limited to certain Macs. My guess is probably Apple Silicon based Macs. Yep. Will be any Macs that can do um, sidecar. Yes, that's it. Ah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, which to be fair is some Intel Macs, but um, we'll talk about Intel Macs later. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, we'll talk about that. But the idea is for me, and I think you said this as well, being able to take your laptop screen and blow it up and make it IMAX sized, not iMac, iMax, as in huge. When you're video editing, <laughs> yep. it's gonna be great. Someone said, like, like don't think about like a, a monitor. Think about like the fact that you can literally make it like skyscraper focused, and you can look at what you're lo- at what you're ever lo- looking at. Like, I have very much been getting into iPad stuff, and um, ATP said hardware processing wise, without a Mac with you, you probably can do the same stuff that you can do on an on an iPad. I want to see what real world constraints are with all this stuff going on. I want to see what it, what's yeah, the max, what you can do with it, because I don't think we know yeah. the, we know it's an M2. What we don't know is which variant of the M2 or how much RAM it's got yet. I don't believe. I'm really excited. So we talked about gameplay, um, being able to play Apple Arcade games, which makes perfect sense. Be able to connect controllers. Um, there's some of some three D. We talked a lot about f- content. And before we get into too much of it, one thing I wanted to say is I have experienced watching a movie or a TV show with a VR headset, literally watch Netflix on the PlayStation VR. Now, that was a really low-res screen, and it was great. But imagine, actually, because hmm. the problem there was, for me, what was happening is I was watching it, but the screen was moving as I moved my head, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas I don't think that this is go- this isn't going to be like this. You're going to be able to look around, but the screen is where it is. If that makes sense. Yeah, that was one thing John Gruber was saying heavily that things are stable. That like they're not moving around. Even if you move your head around, they're fixed in a, in a point. And that should that should help the motion issues should, as yes, well. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be a yeah. huge deal. And I like the idea of it being focused. I mean. Sure. One of the things that that it's going to be really good for is creating 3D videos like a diorama. And I know everyone's critiquing the idea of wearing it, but think about the fact that you'll only put that on for like special moments. Like you, you'll put it on for a moment that you want to capture and you're still in the moment, but you're capturing it and then you're off. Federico Vitici and them were saying how we're probably at once this people see what it's mm-hmm. like to, watching this video and once we know what the formats are for recording these videos we're probably going to see other people making devices that can record these and being able to put those into the the file because and i and i'm i'm going to guess apple is probably already thinking about how they can add this to the iphone i've always loved i would love to be able to re, to re, revisit moments you know like like revisit loved ones that like have well, we're getting like closer. Of of well, yeah, we're getting closer though to this 
Star Trek holodeck, like 3D, you know, holo cameras and be able to do this. Yeah, I do think as well, this is my take on this. Think about the difference between just wearing that that headset and just being around, sorry, just being around versus being up in the party, birthday girl's face with a camera or, you know, always being the one who's stuck behind the camera. This is maybe more natural. I might be wrong. No, I, I can absolutely... Oh. Yeah, the, the recording it delivers shit, but it does look really weird, the the clip they used in the keynote, though, of the dad with the headset on filming the kids. It looked a bit weird. It wasn't <laughs> the best example, was it? Like, like no. I mean, imagine being, you know... Again, I think the birthday cake one was a better example. Can I... Mm. James, can I bring up an example? I hope you don't get mad. I have a very legitimate example yeah, about us. I just want to say that if either of us had this and I get proposed to, I don't want you wearing one of these. No, <laughs> no, that's not good. But, well, the thing is, imagine, <laughs> you imagine the wealthy people buying one for all of their guests at the wedding. Imagine the videographer's job, then of editing back together. And also, I mean, it's bad enough. I've got friends who are wedding videographers, and they said it's bad enough with Karen and her iPhone, who thinks she's more important than the wedding videographer. <laughs> I, I'm going to yeah. say this, um, and because and, I've been to weddings that have this, and again, I'm not trying to bring a relationship into it again. Uh, at our wedding, the rule will be, no one else does video. We focus on the video photographer, uh, well, the videographer, and the photographer. I, I, I think I'm, I'm okay if people shoot their own video as long as they don't get him away. But also, I want them to, to focus on the moment. That's that's the biggest thing. Is it's not that they can't, no. but say, hey, we're gonna have people recording all this stuff. I want you to focus on being here in the moment, enjoying this stuff because because that's the job of a videographer and a photographer is that moment that's doing all that stuff. It's why you hire one for, for events like that. But yeah, th- that's the biggest thing with this is I love the 3d images. And I think one thing I want to, it's added to this. That I want to bring up, we're looking at the first of this product. Mm-hmm. We're looking at, this is Apple saying, Hey, we have a new category of computing that, that we're adding to our lineup. This looks ridiculous in some regards, looks amazing. In other regards, but I'm looking at what are the potentials. If you look at what, how the iPad and the iPhone and even the watch have advanced over the last few years and like the watch now, like that it can detect AFib and it's just wearing it because the Apple watch some people thought was ridiculous when it first came out. Oh yeah. But it's just now part of your life and it's just part of what you do. We're looking at a very expensive device right now. We'll get into that in a second. But I love where this is going to take us. I, I, I'm loving that 10, 20 years when everybody has one of these because the R&D costs have all been paid for. So they can make these about $1,000 now or less. Like buy an iPhone and you get a Vision Pro for free. You know, but like I love where this is going and I love the vision. I'm, I'm looking way far in the future because I won't be able to afford one of these for now. But by then all the glitches will be have been fixed all of this stuff and that again i see what apple's going for they're like hey we need to introduce something new to shake things up the other thing that i love same way that the iphone changed all smartphones mm-hmm. i cannot wait till other headset makers are like holy crap apple 
just made one of the best devices ever. How can we improve our stuff? So even if you're not an Apple person, this is going to make waves in every single headset manufacturer. Mark doesn't want to admit that his Quest has some things he wanted to fix, but you can already imagine that they're taking all this stuff back to their developers. It's part of the reason why we're not getting PR on this yet. <laughs> Apple doesn't want people to take away their, their thunder. But yeah, I love where this is going and I love the content. Like it's, it's true that they focus on media content a lot, but that's one of the biggest cases is like sitting in, again, I can imagine sitting in my recliner right now and I, I, I might be by myself, but then if I'm somewhere else, I, 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 I can forget that I'm by myself lonely uh, physically. Let, let me, let me then bring in a really good point and, and something about that because yes, you're right. FaceTime on this thing. Now, there's two elements to it. The actual having, you know, being able to walk around and have people in your headset, be able to have you people walk around with you. Like, we, when we FaceTime, when me and Jay FaceTime, and, you know, anyone else really, one of the things I struggle with is where, where do, I, do I hold the phone up? Do I put the cap, put the iPad here? Yeah. Actually, now I'll come back to that bit, but having, be able to not worry about where your viewing screen is and also, Again, because of what the multitasking nature of this, when you're on an iPhone FaceTime call, you kind of have to focus on that FaceTime call, whereas you could be in a meeting and then looking at the slides together. And I think, actually, some of the stuff... They yeah, give a demo of that. Which, yeah. again, I think that's perfect. Now, there's a slight question here, isn't there? One that they talked about. You're not looking at your iPhone. You don't have your iPhone with you, but you're on FaceTime. Where's the, your image coming from? There's no, like, floating camera. You're not holding your iPhone up somewhere. Well, it seems like, from what I'm gathering, and I'm obviously trying to understand this, is what they do is when you first set it up, they use the true depth cameras on the front of the Vision Pro to do a, effectively, what, a 3D scan of your whole face and then a photorealistic 3D model that is then used as your avatar inside of FaceTime. That's pretty much right. Now, I I really like that. Now, my take on this, and I'll open it up to you two, is I think that's going to work for the majority of times you want to FaceTime, but there's maybe times where you'd switch to a more traditional experience. What would be, would be kind of cool is if you could also say, okay, well, I'll use continuity camera for my video instead. Yes, but then your your face is covered well, by I'm this, so you would be showing... I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking more if you're... Like, for example, the, uh, without going into details, I attended a meeting with Jay last night, and yes. in that case, I needed to see everyone else in the room, not Jay. Well, as well as Jay, but you get my point. Yeah. But I'm at, wait a minute... <laughs> Wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you are, I wonder if you could. You've got your profile, you've got your avatar, but what's what's to stop from using the front cameras to show, to, you know when you flip the cameras on FaceTime, what's to stop them using the front cameras? Oh, yeah, because then you can you're, also... You'll be able to see other people, though. What do you mean? Well, if you if you took the headset off and used the front camera, no, no, you no, won't be able to see. You, oh. So you know if you're on a FaceTime call and you say, oh, let me show you around, you flip your camera to the rear cameras on an iPhone. Oh, yes. But you... Oh. Yes, I'm sorry, yeah. You are right. You could just use the cameras mm. on the headset, yeah, yeah. And then you don't have to worry about holding the phone or getting... Because yeah. you're showing them what you're seeing. 
Oh, that's a, that's a really cool. Cause, cause yeah, cause I could see then you have somebody then like in a meeting, you have somebody who's the in-person yes. camera operator. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So hmm. I, and honestly with the, with the virtual model, my biggest question, by the way, that I hope they've thought this through is how diverse that is. Because, for instance, some some games um, like Black Hairstyles are typically one of the things that is a, a huge afterthought. Hopefully, this is able to show the depth of variety oh, yeah. of like faces, because a lot of these designs are modeled around white people. And I'm I'm just being very honest, and it's modeled around the the variety of of, of white individuals, but it's not doesn't take into account but isn't it using the cameras um, as well so it is more modeled on you okay and 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 and, and as long as it's showing all of that i mean i hope so um, i mean i wanted to show my gray i wanted to show the gray hair yeah and <laughs> i was thinking about the the fact that i got a lazy eye it's getting my eye my eye data so it could show that because i'm proud of my lazy eye i'm not i'm not ashamed of that oh well, so, now here's a question does it then track does it then follow your eye i think it does doesn't it it follows your eye movement with the the model i that would be cool because again it does yeah i like my eyes the way they are i mean i know it sounds weird but i it's just make it makes me unique and i i that was my biggest thing is i want the my eyes to be the same on the facetime call on the front we haven't even talked about the front visor yet. oh that's kind of <laughs> yeah eyesight eyesight yeah all right, let's talk about eyesight. Let's talk about eyesight because eyesight. When I first saw this, I thought, "Oh, it's semi-transparent. It's opaque, not opaque. So it's transparent. It's mm. you know, it's like a bike helmet." But no, that is not transparent. That is an OLED screen on the front that shows again a model of your that, that portion taken by the, the the cameras inside, and then doesn't it? It changes. It's got two different states. It's got one, if you can see other things around you, it shows the person's eyes. And if they are, we've got three different states, actually. If you're watching something, if you're looking at something but can see the world around you, it has sort of a glowy effect in front of your eyes. And then if it's just, you're fully immersed, it's just got a glowy effect. So, Which is kind of cool because, it, again, it, it lets people know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm actually doing something. Which... I think that as a privacy for the wearer and people around the wearer is a good thing because you don't want someone being oh. like, Oh, I'm wearing this, but I'm actually seeing you. Cause that, cause that could be utilized in a bad case. This, the, the great use case scenario here is, you know, when you're on a flight or on a train and the ticket conductor, sometimes I know I've be I've fallen asleep on a train and definitely <laughs> fallen asleep on a train. But, you know, if you're in an immersive mode, at least your ticket conductor knows. Now, what would be really cool is if a train line app can integrate and show your train ticket on, on the... Oh, that on would the be visor. cool. Be like, hey. Like, see me detects. Ticket, please. <laughs> and then... No. Yeah. And one thing that I like about this, the, the eyesight also comes into, brings into the idea of I like that they're focusing on immersion, but also letting you get away from things because families, when families are, are, are in the same place, sometimes you want to get away from other people. You just need your own time. And this will allow you to get, a, to get away, connect when you need to, but then get away again. I mean, and I could see this being a boon for, for people who share a small space. I'm not going to lie. It would be great for us. Like, yeah. Cause, and, and there's another aspect which I hadn't thought about this here, actually. 
let's say that you are working from home, but you're working in or working with confidential data. This solves yeah, that's, that's this solves point. that problem, doesn't it? Because only mm. you can see what's on your screen. And I got a bit of information because I had a question about um, ear bleed for for like say things that like are not suitable for for younger yes. ears. Um, what Marco Arment has been able to suss out is that the ear pads are good enough to, to stop ear bleed. If you're like in the same room, he did the, he got kind of the impression that if you are right next to somebody, you might be able to hear it. And that's where they they recommend maybe headphones for things like that. So I mean, Apple have a solution for that. It's called AirPods, and they showed AirPods again. There's no reason <laughs> these won't. Ca- again, oh my gosh, I've just realised something. Okay, this has just come to mind. AirPods have spatial audio. Oh my you know gosh, the example they've been developing this technology. Well, Someone mentioned this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you're going down the path I am, right? With the with the theatre mode for content, you would get spatial audio from AirPods, but mimic being in a high-end cinema is that where you're going or uh i think me and jay are on about that they've been the reason they've been doing it is for this reason so something like lidar on the iphone pro models not really a massive use case oh. for phone but it's been training developers ready to for, for the visual because vision pro yeah same for the spatial audio on the headphones they're not really they're good but they're not massively usable useful on a phone but no, again it, for the headset oh yeah. and special audio on a phone like i've been in the break room at, at, on break and i'm watching something and i'm like oh crap if, if my own speakers <laughs> on my headphones oh. so it is special audio is wild when you use it and yeah, yeah it is but yeah. it makes sense in this case because yeah one of the biggest things about people saying going to cinemas is this imagine too you are both on a facetime call with share play in a theater you get the experience of being in a cinema, oh. and you're you're with you're somebody that you're enjoying. I I really love these opportunities again for long distance relationships or people that are like friends or family. You know, you're you're away from each other, but you're together. Uh, I mean, I was hey, getting. I've had an idea. Sorry to interrupt you. I've had an idea. What if they expand uh-huh. that scanning tech to do whole body? Look, this is out there, but if you did it to be a whole body model. You could literally have someone sat next to you in the cinema. That would be hmm. so cool. And I I can even see, like, maybe there's a way that they would do, like, half body. I mean, just, be, just because of, like, the, the data they have. Because I know some of the ones they've had is, like, half body, like, like, torso up and all that. But, yeah, I think this has a lot of implications. Like, I I go back to some of the original Spaceship Earth stuff that I saw with, like, these headsets and keeping people connected. I mean, the fact that, James, you and I, as, as friends and and partners but like like we are across distances and we're getting this this is huge implications for that i mean i mean that let's not also forget that this is going down that path of connection i i remember going spaceship earth as well and seeing the at&t video phone way before we got video calling look at what we're doing right now the three of us are you know two of us here in the uk one on am i right you're 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 on a wisp aren't you um alex yeah so a wireless intensive hardwired and jay's in the states different connectivity options but we're having a real-time video conference we're streaming that to you our 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 audience and recording it for you our listeners Uh, oh sorry imagine this (laughs) podcast on the vision pro 
And I wonder how the mic is in it. I mean, it has to be pretty good if it's right there. I, I mean, I, I want to yeah. hear a demo of somebody recording audio because the MacBook mics are really good yes. and it's right there. If if they developed it for FaceTime, you would hope they've already done isolation and, and like all that. I mean, this could really become an amazing thing. Stream. I'm also thinking of like streamers because this, because like I, there are some days I don't want to like show my face, but I would love to like, I, I can see this for VTubers. There's so many applications on this again. No, no, you're and I'm right. not just saying for Apple. I see this for other developers as well, other manufacturers. This is going to change the game for everybody. So hey, yeah. let, let's let's round out. Our, I mean, I, I think we let I say round out. We've so much more to talk about on the rest of the keynote, but I think Vision Pro. We've definitely seen the Vision. However, yeah, three and a half thousand dollars only available yeah. in the US uh, from next year. And we do very spe- speculation that there's going to be a developer kit for this to get devs ready. Uh, probably very similar to what Apple did with the Mac Mini for you know that A12. Was it been A12Z or something like that? That A14Z A14 that they put into a um, mini case as a Apple Silicon test bed. And remember, Des had to give it back. It was a rental, not a you buy this um, type thing. That's right. I think we're going to have to do that. I think this is going to rely heavily on third, third party oh on third party stuff did they no i i think it'll be very interesting to see where gaming goes because they're talking about apple arcade having a hundred titles or so ready on day one actually there is something we missed content so go on what I'm, i'd imagine the you know the game porting they just announced for mac os because the because the, the headset has got the same chip as a a MacBook, I'd imagine they'd probably do some sort of game port. That would at some make sense. Yeah, that would make sense. Apparently, there's some. It was announced in the. It was revealed in those sort of developer videos that there's some something related to DirectX 12 conversion. I'm not entirely sure what it does. We'll have to read more into it. But I wonder if they're using. Is it Vulkan that does the DX? Uh, it is, sure. isn't it? Well, it's Vulkan. And you're forgetting one What's thing. We're, we're just on the headset. The headset's not not. Um, Ethernet, but if you pull in from a Mac, you can use it as a Mac or an iPad or iPhone with Ethernet. So even gaming, oh, yeah. you can be hardwired. I mean, there's a lot oh. of ways oh, that, yeah. like, if you need more power, get it, get, get a Mac. True. And I know there'll be a developer who will, who will be able to make a Windows thing for it as well. I mean, probably, <laughs> probably. So I mean, it you have that you have the the processing of the of the headset and. But I, 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 I would love to be able to like sit in my recliner with the local network, be able to like stream it from my Mac to my, to, to my headset. Yeah. Cause that's Alex. Here's a question for you. And I thought, Go on. do we know what, do we have any idea what Wi-Fi chip this is going to have? I'm hoping 6E. They haven't revealed that, but I, considering the, all the M2 devices are, no, they're not actually. That's wrong because I've got an MT MacBook and it's not oh. 6E. But considering some of the newer devices they've they've announced to 6E, I'd imagine that it probably is for future proofness, and especially at this yeah, price point so. as well. Yeah, I want to talk quickly before we take. We're going to take a little break in a minute, and Jay's going to do our first sponsor shot spot of this episode. But um, this is the first time we're doing this properly, so we're we're, we're organised. Um, content. One thing that really excited me is Disney's partnership with Apple. Now, obviously, for those of you who don't know, a very quick history. Disney's partnership with Apple went really went all the way back to when Steve Jobs came back to Apple because Steve was um, obviously sold Pixar to Disney 
and was the single largest shareholder of Disney before his death. They did a lot of stuff together. It's great to see Disney doing this. Some of the experiences there, because people think, oh, Disney. But Disney owns so much National Geographic. Don't they own, oh, uh, ESPN? They own a yes. lot of, of their own Fox. And the con- some of the content examples, the immersive experiences for Star Wars, being able to pull up, like, I, uh, like on the, or oh, what's, uh, what's Amazon's TV, Fire? Fire TV, the X-ray mode on Fire TV. They're showing examples where you can pull yeah. up character bios while you're watching a show. Those sort of immersive experiences yeah. are going to be great. But what really excited me, I'm not a sports fan. Because part of the problem for me with sports is I can never see what's going on. But imagine being able to wear this headset and have court. One of the examples people talk about is court side seat for NBA games. Yeah, so one of the examples they gave in the, in the keynote was sort of a very flushed out experience for mm. watching sports. It looked quite. It looked quite impressive. So, yeah. What we're gonna do? We're gonna take a break in a minute. But Jay, before we take a break, since this is technically our coffee chat, do, do you want to tell our North American listeners about a wonderful? Unfortunately, those Brits have to suffer um, for now. Jay, tell our North American listeners about an awesome coffee experience. So. For those who uh, love coffee, like I do, and uh, like like James does, we are partnered with a company called Grinding Coffee Company. They are a black and LGBTQIA plus owned coffee shop. The products are vegan and gluten free. So not not like vegan free stuff, maybe it's like vegan, (laughs) but it is definitely, it's ethically sourced and the coffee is delicious. My flavor right now today is the gay agenda it's a medium roast that will eat your taste or that, that, that will set your your taste in stone and then the coffee contains tastes of caramel and honey and fruit this is a a company that i have been partnered with for, for a couple of years and if you go to crosswires.net slash coffee you can get 10 percent off support this channel and get yourself some delicious coffee so grind those coffee beans wow <laughs> And that, that's Jay's first ever coffee, coffee, grinding coffee read for the podcast. And that, that went as well as could have been expected, folks. Okay. So that is the Vision Pro. Let's move on into the rest of the keynote. Oh, yes. Where did you come from? Sorry. I was just watching something on the cinema, oh. my Vision Pro, and you just started appearing when you were talking. <laughs> Wish we had one. Right. Let's talk Mac. So let's talk Mac hardware. Cause we also got Mac OS, but let's talk Mac, talk Mac hardware and, Three new pieces of hardware this uh, at WWDC. Is it fair to say all expected? Uh, one of them we were hoping for, but we weren't expecting it. And um, there's a shirt that, that ATP was selling that I wanted to get, the Mac Pro Believe shirt. Yes. I hope some of their team wore that to, uh, to, the, uh, to the event. Marco said he did not because he it, it, it wasn't part of his, his uh, keynote outfit. And I'm like, Marco. Even even me, who tries to be fashionable, would still have worn that because of the the stuff. I get nope, it. It's, yeah, so good. So let, let's talk the first one now. See, I've always personally not been as fond of this concept, but it makes perfect sense. The fifteen-inch MacBook Air. To me, the MacBook Air has always been a small machine. Like because I have one of the eleven-inch Airs. I did as well. It's awesome. Mm, what a great little machine. Do you know what was really scary for Alex? I, uh, did you ever have one of the 12-inch um, MacBook Adorable? No, I 
I wanted to buy a new laptop just before that came out, and I just couldn't be bothered to wait, so I bought ah, a new okay. chair. <laughs> so I, I, I loved the 11 inch chair, but I had the MacBook. What? Uh, who was it? Who was it? You called it Mac, MacBook Adorable. I think it's um, uh, Merlin Man, and that really puts the 11 inch chair into really stark contrast. But the Air is Apple's cheapest Mac laptop. And I actually think they made a really cool product here because, look, so this is 15-inch. One of the things we're really touting here is it's a no-compromises 15-inch laptop because, look, we've all seen 15-inch Windows laptops, right? I mean, uh-huh. I, mean uh, I, I, I one time um, took my back out because of how heavy they are. <laughs> Can't be as bad as I keep going back to this. Can't be as bad as the Acer Predator Twenty One X. If you've never seen the Acer Predator Twenty One X, take a moment, pause the show, go and look at the Acer Predator Twenty One X, and be grateful you never owned one of these things. Whoa, yeah. Alex has just seen it. <laughs> I can rumba. Look at Bart Simpson. <laughs> Don't Disney will sue us. What the hell? This thing had to have two power supplies, Alex. Jeez. No, Do you have one of them? No, I just, I just remember covering it on old, old cross wires and just being like, what? Just an insane machine. <laughs> now, look, the problem with 15-inch laptops is they tend to either be very thin and light but have no performance or have lots of performance but be heavy and have no battery life. And screen quality can be a real issue. Apple seems to have solved this. It's 11.5 millimeters thin, so it's the thinnest 15-inch laptop. Connectivity-wise, look, two Thunderbolt 4s, MagSafe and a headphone jack. Now, you might think, oh, only two Thunderbolt 4s, no HDMI. I think it's got, it's got MagSafe, sorry. So, so, obviously, you don't have to use one of those for power. But Thunderbolt opens so many possibilities for connectivity, especially at that piece. Now, just, just Alex, from a networking standpoint, when you're talking 40, because Thunderbolt 4, I believe, is 40 gigabits a second, if not faster. That's what it says, well, yeah. that yeah. means you can easily dongle off, if you need to, for whatever reason, dongle off a um, 10 gig Ethernet adapter. You could even, if it is if it exists, you could dongle off a Thunderbolt to SFP plus cage, if, if that... If that even exists, I'm not even well, sure. I'll tell you what does exist. Thunderbolt to PCIe, and you could then plug in a SFP PCIe card. That's true. Actually, yeah, they, they do exist. USB-C to, well, Thunderbolt to uh, 10 gig. That oh, does exist. What with SFP, SFP rather than just uh, copper. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And if you need more Thunder, Thunderbolt, the MacBook Pro has three Thunderbolt. Ports, yes. So, yep. but, yes. But also Thunderbolt 4 hubs, as in actual multiple Thunderbolt 4s are a thing. Didn't used to be a thing. You couldn't really get... Thunderbolt 4 and USB 4 are make it possible to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just on the specs. It's an M2, obviously. And they're saying it's 12 times faster than the, late, the fastest ever Intel MacBook Air. Now, that's impressive. But yeah. are we surprised by that? I mean, this made sense. Look, let, let's just... 500-nit screen, nice... 18 hours battery life, and now, Alex, you've got an M2 Air, don't you? I've got the 13-inch one, yeah, and I I never charge it. Well, I, I do, but, like, if I took, if I was going, over, staying overnight somewhere, and I always take my laptop, but I thought, oh, I'd have to take a charger as well. I just charge up beforehand, and it lasts ages and ages, so, and also, for weirdly, the standby time 
you leave it for a few days or even a week sometimes, you come back to it, it's still alive. It hasn't died, which is huge quality of life. Yeah, so this oh, is yeah, actual feature. 18 hours battery life. This isn't just a bold claim. This is actual, mm. very close to real world. Well, get this. So uh, Linus, Linus did a video the other day and he said, most of our team has now moved to MacBooks because of the battery life. That's a big... A big thing for Hang him on. to admit. So just just to clarify, this is Linus Sebastian <laughs> of Mac hating. Yep. Well, not as much anymore, but Mac disliking, disliking LMG. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That is huge. Yeah. Yep. I mean, look, it's really nice. Now we've got. I mean, I have to admit, it's tempting, especially with what they've done. I think it's if I say with what we've done with the pricing in that lineup is actually now quite nice. So. The M1 13-inch Air, which is the old design, isn't it? It's the, uh, the same. The wedge, the wedge shape. Yeah, that's 999 US. The 13-inch mm-hmm. M2, which is what you've got, has been dropped by $100. So that's now 1099 so 1099 And then the 15-inch is 1299 Now, the only thing I would say is you, from what I understand on all of these, you probably want to... Und- uh, avoid the base model 256 gig and like if you can because from what i understand the ssds are slower so mm-hmm. and if apple maybe ssd price is a bit cheaper it'd be nice and also the uk price is the 13 inches uh one one four nine i can't remember what that was before oh um and the 15 inches one three nine nine which is still pretty good Just- yeah, now, of course, people thinking, why is it so much more expensive in the US? Well, remember, we our prices include VAT. I keep saying this on shows and on streams. Our prices do include VAT. US prices do not include the local... local I keep system. forgetting it. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting. <laughs> you'll do it. I remember, like, it's fun here in the United States because it'll, it can change like that. feels like you'll you'll be like, oh, this is great. Oh, oh your taxes. Mm. Yay! <laughs> Easy advantage of being a small, well, relatively small island nature and, and having one one tax and VAT system. And then again, yep. VAT is not exactly easy to understand. Like, for example, folks, did you know that we have a lovely uh, VAT system in this country? If you buy digestive biscuits, you don't pay VAT. If you buy chocolate yep. digestives, you pay VAT because we considered a luxury item because of the chocolate. And, you know, I think with all this stuff, there would be a lot of computational power that we need to compute all the taxes and stuff like that. And maybe we could take that over to the next product and compute all of that. Oh, I'm liking this. I'm liking that segue. So straight from... New York, it is Saturday Night Live coming to you on the Mac Studio. They unveiled that SNL is actually made on Mac Studio, and that's mm. really cool. But yeah, they've unveiled the next generation of, of Mac Studio with the M2 Max and the M2 Ultra. The Ultra is really cool. 24 cores CPU, 76 core TPU, and up to 192 gigabyte memory. Now, you might be saying, wait, 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 Jay. That's way less than some of the older Mac Studios because, like, one of them um, on the Intel was one point five. Jay, there was no. There was, well, there was no Mac Studio on it. I, you're you're thinking of a next product. Sorry, sorry. Oh, though, though I think now I don't know 
Can, actually, can someone just look this up really quickly? Because I got someone to do this last time. The iMac Pro, you know that Xeon-based iMac Pro that they discontinued before the Intel transition? What was that maximum RAM on that Xeon-based? I think it was 64 gigabytes. I'm not sure, though. I think it might, hopefully it was more than that, because this Mac has 64. Mic- oh, it was 512 right, okay, gigabytes. So half a terabyte on a... now. When we're going to talk about this a little bit, in fact, we'll, we'll save this cause, because we want to talk about it more in the Mac Pro, I think. But 24 core CPU, do we know the breakdown on what are the efficiency and what are the performance cores on that? Because I don't think they said. So it's got a second generation 5 nanometer process, 134 billion transistors, 50% more memory capacity than the M1 Ultra, uh, 800 gigabytes of bandwidth. Uh, Might not say. I don't. Uh, yes, so 16 high-performance cores, 8 high-efficiency cores, which make it 20% faster than the M1 That's Ultra. That's impressive. 76-core yep. GPU, and obviously it's got renewable engine. Very nice. Now, this new Max you can support, was it? Uh, I'm going to guess if it's the M2 Ultra, it can do the same as the next product, but it's up to 6 Pro Display XDRs, or up to 8 4K displays that's correct yeah six pro x, x display ugh, six pro display xdrs which six, are, uh, are six k each six six mm. yeah. um i can say that i know what i what our dream studio mm-hmm. yeah yeah i had to talk a friend of mine down i said i know you've got the money to buy a pro display xdr but you do not need a pro, pro display xdr he went with a studio display just so everybody knows that was not me because I don't no, have definitely the money. not you. Definitely not me. Definitely not you. <laughs> and I think it's fair to say definitely not Alex either. <laughs> no offense, but he could do up to eight. He could do eight K at two hundred and forty hertz, which is impressive. I think I'm out of eight K. I think it can do three eight Ks. I might be wrong on that, but I think it can do three eight Ks. Those specs might be in the Mac. Studio, oh, um, um, I might be. Yeah, well, do you know what? I'd imagine it's going to be the same. But again, look, nice thing. The thing about the Mac Studio is great product, but it has no no internal expandability. You can't change the SSDs. It, but it's still. I think is. I know so many people who love it and think it's a great replacement for the iMac Pro level of device. You know. Yep. I think it's yeah, brilliant. It's uh, 1999 for a base config, which is not that M2 Ultra, by the way. That's an M2 Max. It's still actually a very nice config at the base price. Again, that's about, that's £2,099 in the UK. Not bad. Yep. I mean, still can't afford it, but not bad. Apple completed the Apple Silicon transition with this. And it's, look, it's a system we've all been waiting for. And we were, I'll be honest, I was not sure how they were going to pull this off or what they were going to do. Part of me, hmm is a little disappointed. Let me, I'll explain when we get into it. Yep. Mac Pro. M2 Ultra. Exactly the same M2 Ultra as the Mac Studio. One of the things they mentioned, now, I'm assuming, Alex, but what they talk about here, the next bit, is the media engine. That will apply to the M2 Ultra, which means the same is true in the Mac Studio. Okay. So what they talked about is, but in the Intel Xeon, because it was a Xeon... Look, Alex, you, you were saying when we recorded this on Monday, uh, am I right that the, the Mac Pro had kind of gotten long in the tooth because the Xeon just stopped getting updated uh, that class of chip? I don't think they ever updated the Mac Pro, did they? No, as far as I'm aware, no. They did a few no. extra like graphics card options, but no CPU options. Yeah. And Apple don't drop their prices. So it was still priced the same. But what they're saying, basically, in... in 
the Mac Pro to do high-end video encoding, you needed what they called an afterburner card. It was a video encoding, decoding card. Well, M2 Ultra has the power of seven of those cards, which enables it to ingest 22 and play back 22 streams of 8K ProRes. I need to check my spelling in my show notes. ProRes video. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I mean, that would be very useful for for video video uh, be very useful for video editing studios, uh, just to be able to play back all that footage at the same time, and especially for multi camera angle shows. Yes, because well. if you've got um, you know, even if you're talking like a multi multi four Ks, you still need a lot of power to do that. Now we're going to talk about why the Mac Pro even exists in a minute because of one of its features. But the question I want to ask you both, because you've both got M based. Max, my iMac has 64 gig of RAM, and your two, both of your Macs will gladly outperform this thing any day. So the question is, look, the RAM on this obviously goes up to 192. There's not two M2 Ultras stuck together to make a bigger thing yet. But mm-hmm. 192, the old Intel, uh, and what Jay was talking about, the old Intel Mac Pros could go up to... One and a half terabytes of RAM is uh, an Alex RAM is out for us when we when that's we right. recorded on Monday. Yep. Now that's a huge drop, but is that okay? I think so. I mean, with the Apple Silicon stuff, that that memory isn't it's not RAM; it's it's unified memory, so it, it, it can pull it wherever it needs. Now, I think I think the GPU in a in a P, in a computer is it can do some tasks better than the CPU. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, so I think. I think the the whole system can push push memory resources where it needs it. Oh, best. I see what you're saying. Because the memory is unified, you're not having to worry about the having to have extra memory to move stuff back and forth between CPU and GPU because it's all on the same package. Yeah, Poss- possibly. Yes. Yeah, like I can say that I've done OBS streaming on on my M1 Mac with like 16 gigabytes of RAM which I think is overkill for what I need. And it has been performing so well. Like I can literally have windows open. I can have apps open and do all these things. And I can have browser sources, have apps running all this stuff running in the background. I even, I one time had like, like I think I had affinity running. I had some things that I shouldn't have had running and it was performing so well. I mean, that's me, that's me, me ingesting video. That's me rendering the video encoding it and sending it out to Twitch at the same time, doing all that stuff. <laughs> and that, it's in, it's incredible. And that's on a Mac mini. This is not even on the Mac pro or Mac studio. This is on an M one mini as well. This is is an M two. It's M one first generation. AS Apple Silicon mini. Whereas my, 2017 quad core, so um, i7 40, i7 7700K, 4.2 gigahertz with 64 gig of RAM and an 8 gig Radeon, I think five, Pro 580, has a hissy fit if it even has to do more than a few little tasks. Like, I was actually nervous about doing this stream tonight because I'm thinking, oh, that's why I've actually offloaded the capture of the squadcast, the playback of the other squadcast view that the streamer seeing onto the Steam Deck because I was so concerned that trying to run more than one Chrome session would kill this. And actually, look, my Mac is not handling this especially well. It's doing okay, but that's got 64 gig of RAM. It should be better. But it's because, look, it, it is just... Apple Silicon is just better. So I think it's going to work really well. Now, 
connectivity-wise, eight Thunderbolt 4 ports, two on the top, Ooh. six on the back. I think he's got USB-A um, as well. It's got one USB-A port inside. <laughs> one USB-A. Yeah. Love it. Inside the enclosure. Well, that's what the old one had. People were saying it's useful for um, powering stuff. Or not powering stuff. It's, no, it's not that. I know exactly what it is. Hardware authentication dongles. Oh. Pro uh, apps. That'll uh, be okay. why, probably. Oh, sorry. I got that wrong. It's got two USB-A ports on the back and one inside. Sorry. Still, yeah, which, yeah, which marries up with what a lot of a pro-level uh, Macs have. The Mac Mini has two USB-As as well, I think. Yeah, that's right. Now, the big thing, though, is that it's got, altogether, I think, six available. Yeah, six available PCIe Gen 4 slots. Yeah, full-length length ones. And a couple of double-height um, spaces as well so it's got plenty of space internally now you might be thinking well hang on why do we need PCIe expansion inside a, um, a, an Apple Silicon Mac you can't put another GPU in there but that's not what they're for when we you know we've used the example of a video editing studio they want high end capture cards streamers will want and this would be an interesting one to see how these work but you know things like the Elgato 4K uh, the cards you used to have Jay yeah, and I know streamers who have in their computers that had multiple internal ones. I, I I used to have one in my streaming PC. It worked perfectly, and yeah, it, being able to to offload that to PCIe and not use USB or Thunderbolt bandwidth caps and stuff like that to, to go directly. And it, it is incredible, and I I can see this. I mean, as of now, I'm, I'm betting probably does a lot of stuff with. Oh, real, real time, real time follow up from our chat. Our good friend Saruchi, uh, we'll put a link to Saruchi's Twitch channel into the show notes, folks. So you should really go and check it out. Um, she has, just like me and Jay do, she has Avermedia now. I'm guessing that's an internal card you've got, Saruchi. Um, I believe uh, so. From what we understand. But it's just one, it, um, it can capture both console and my camera. So it's got, a, it's a dual input, uh, capture card. Now on that one, I'm going to again make an assumption, um, that that has a pass-through port for the game capture element, and then the camera bit doesn't, um, if because you wouldn't need a pass-through on the camera, would you? I might be wrong on that. And- but the b- b- point being... Ah, yes, so she said that is correct. The point being here, that you can run those sort of cards now in a Mac Pro on Apple Silicon. What I am envisioning, say you are... Um, streaming with with people either for D and D or you're streaming games together in in a, in, a, in a place. Imagine being able to capture all the all the different desktops and consoles in one place. Send that out and and, and also be capturing the video from each, each player or each individual. This has like huge possibilities. And again, <laughs> given the money, some amazing possibility for us in the future. But it's not just that though, because that's you know a valid point. It looks like... Now, I might be missing something. It looked like... Now, it's still got AUX power connectors. Um, it has. Now, are, yeah. those, are those SATA ports? But if you look... It just says just says 300 watt auxiliary power, two 6-pin, 75 watts, one 8-pin connector with 150 watts. I'm not sure what SATA is uh, in terms of pins. I thought, the, I thought the SATA... No, I might be wrong. Anyway, the point is, well, those PCI Express things, you can put plenty of storage in there, right? You'd just be able to put NVMe storage on PCIe cards. You've, yeah, because you, well, you can do that. Sabrint, for example, make cards that you can just put multiple NVMe, NVMe drives into. 
Right. I mean, I don't know if it was questions about maybe driver support, but I, I, I really like to see where this could go. But it's obviously then you've got high-end audio interfaces, high-end color grading workstations. Um, Alex's favorite thing, of course, plenty of network connectivity. You could probably put in a couple of hundred gig yeah. SFP cages would, in. Would it be SFP at that point? Yeah. Q, would it be? QSFP, uh, QSFP yeah. sorry, yeah. But the point yeah. is, now, um, Alex, I was reading the specs, he's got two 10 gig yeah. Ethernets, yeah. Really good. And Wi-Fi 6E. Yeah, Wi-Fi 6E, so 6 gigahertz as well, yep. Alex, if you've got a 10 gig switch, you could do, what, Linkag? Almost two? Yeah, you could do, in theory, I think. Uh, it, depe- mm, it oh, depends if... Oh, supports it. Well, it depends, yeah, exactly. If it supports it, it should do, I'd imagine, because... You'd have to, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd imagine the old one had two ports. So Mac Pro link aggregation. Uh, yes, it's possible. Yep. Any Mac that has two Ethernet ports, you can aggregate them within the networking uh, section really? and settings. Because well, a lot. Look, well, I didn't know that. I guess it makes <laughs> sense. It is a Unix OS under its hood, you know, uh, yep. in a lot of levels. I, I'm really, really impressed with this. I think one thing you mentioned that we, I think we liked from a previous gen was it's in tower and rack mount form. Mm, definitely. And I think we came up with the Mac Stadium use case and also possibly somewhere like a video editing lab where they have they don't have them all on the floor. They could just put them in the rack and have them yes. remote access to them. Well, especially with Thunderbolt 4 being able to do like docks and stuff. And Because Linus had a Thunderbolt system, didn't he, that ran over optical Thunderbolt. Yeah, pretty cool. I, I mean, so. yep. you had problems with it. That I, mean, I was joking with Alex that realistically, if you're going to get a Mac Pro rack mount, the only Wi-Fi, the only network gear that you're allowed to have in that rack is Unify, right? <laughs> you know, because yeah, of course, because look, Apple servers have always looked good all the way back to the X serve. They've not looked like your traditional Dell Power Edges. No, of no. course, because they're not exactly pretty servers, are they? Power Edge. No. no, they're not really. Um. <laughs> I can definitely say I would love one of these, and again, one day maybe. <laughs> I think it's a whole kill for, for like for most of us, and this is maybe a point. Like I know the, the Mac Studio. I think for those of you who don't need PCIe, is a perfect. And I think that's maybe something I love about the uh, Apple Silicon transition is that the cooling is no longer the limiting factor. It's what you want to do with it that makes your choice, right? Yeah. I want to say on all of this stuff, what I get out of this compared, I used to have three machines, a Mac, a gaming PC, and a streaming PC for my streams and all on all my podcasting and all this. This last year, I've gone down to just a Mac. Then I have like a, a Switch and a, and a Steam Deck for like gaming and all that. But I have cut my energy usage way down on all of that. Yeah. And... It, it it's incredible again what you can do because I've had so many issues over the years streaming from Max and since the silicon changeover it just it works way better. Because I'm still on that limitation and I know how much power this thing's drawing because I can see it in um, iStep menus. Yeah, I mean Alex, you've obviously you am I right? You've got you've got two Apple Silicon. You if you you've got the iMac and the laptop. Yeah, I like I've always loved the idea of having a desktop so. And I used to have an old iMac, so I like to have just a station that I do stuff on and work on, and I can take the laptop with me when I go away. So as soon as the 11-inch MacBook Air became unsupported, I just got a MacBook uh, M2, which was, was great. Or 
Alex, all you need to do is just get a Vision Pro and then SSH into that using like 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 screens connect, and then you can oh, be wow. on your desktop Mac anywhere. Well, <laughs> you know, but it's an interesting one. Can, can I just say as well? I mean, look, so even if you are in the market right now for a new Mac, an M1 based Mac is still not a bad option. You are not making a sacrifice per se, unless you really need the power. They are, but all great machines. I mean, I, I edit all, uh, all my videos are edit for, uh, the interface are all 4K and I edit them all on this machine. And it's, uh, it's and perfect. is that just 16 gigabyte so, on that? Or you it is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Wow. And James, weren't you and I even talk about the fact that like eight, eight gigabytes might be enough for many people? I think so. I think so. Yeah. I did read a piece where actually, unless you're doing a lot of video rendering, you probably don't need 16 gigs. I would make the case if you're streaming possibly 16 just to give yourself a little bit of extra wiggle room because we're doing browser sources well, hang on. you you save well no you're right because no 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 jay is right because actually it's the browser sources that kill it yeah because it's chromium uh, like yeah chromium electron is a lot of what a lot of streaming software relies on and stuff like that and yeah and if you if you're working on big video projects the final cut pro just goes the ram usage goes up and up and up um when you're doing big projects however like Back in the days of old slower I/O for hard drive space, so when the when the machine has to do uh, swap, the swap on these machines is so fast you probably don't even notice when it goes over the limit. And from what I've understood, even if you do go, even if you know you are chomping away on four K, the machine's still usable. Whereas on an Intel based system, it wouldn't be. It would just hang while it was doing four K. Whereas you yeah, can actually yeah. use them. All right. I think we need to move on into software because look, the Apple Silicon transition is now complete. The only sad thing for me is, well, I don't know. Does this mean we'll never see another 27 or bigger iMac? I think either the Mac Studio or the, the Pro displays are where they're going with a lot of that. I, uh, I think, I think you're right, actually. Cause, cause the, 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 uh, studio, the, the studio display, there's a lot of, of good things. I mean, it has a camera, it has all of that. Right, as a camera, or did I get that wrong? Yeah, yeah, it does. I think so. Yeah, the the big the big one no, doesn't have a camera, little but the little one does. Yeah, does. Yep. But, but, but yeah, I'm thinking that Apple's probably moved a lot of their stuff like the like that. We still may because the the iMac line itself has been transitioned. Yes, and they could still go. Oh, I see bigger. what you mean. That's but but the 24 inch iMac is still a great great machine. Oh, yeah, when I I was worried about it not being big enough when I when I was looking at it, thinking, uh, is this going to be what I want for the next machine? There was nothing else at the time that was going to fit the bill. Um, and for the price I paid, I'm really, really happy with it. And it's not the biggest screen in the world, but it's it's perfectly good for what I do. And it's a 4.5K display as well, so it's it's nice resolution. Oh, yeah. I think the only thing I want to see Apple do, and I can see, I'm going to predict this happens at an October, at a consumer event around the time of the iMac, uh, sorry, iPhone, is M2-based 24-inch iMac. Well, it's the only it's the only product that that ha- doesn't have a M2 variant. Give me one quick second. I'm getting a call. Oh, hello! It is iOS 17 calling me, and it's it's calling me. <laughs> I honestly thought she was getting a call. Then <laughs> that's what I thought. I thought, oh, what's going on? Well, so the phone app and the uh, and the contacts app have gotten quite a bit of changes and some some really cool updates. I think the first one that I want to bring up and. I was listening to ATP on on this one, and they actually have an interesting idea that for a long time, carriers have handled the voicemail and have handled, and I give it off, offload it to the voicemail. 
but they said that they get that they get the uh, impression that with the new live voicemail fit functionality with transcription oh. that it actually keeps it on your phone on that connection because that way anytime you can call right into it because a lot of the time right now once you someone will call it it'll go to your phone then it'll ha- hand it off to the carrier who'll do the voicemail and they'll and then they will then notify you when there's voicemail for you to activate from the server but this way it's probably doing this and then i'm going to guess at the end of the call it sends the voicemail to the carrier at that point well that's something we were wondering wasn't it alex about how uh, what how does that work at carrier level because uh, does that mean that the iphone takes over as the as as more of like a traditional answer phone well we we were wondering does the does this call stay active while because because if if you can jump into the call while the person's leaving a voicemail that must mean the call is still live as far as the carrier is concerned i'm not sure if that's any different to what it is now it might be um we just we don't know because it's not very obvious and the carriers might have to do something else so yeah and that was what and the uh, transcription from what from what i if if from what they were speculating itp as well was that it was it's happening on device for privacy reasons and 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 that way you can see it live and i gotta say transcription on iphone is pretty dang good it's getting better they're improving at all times well no an interesting point that again saruchi's brought up Verizon in the US, if you want the voicemail to, if you want their voicemail to transcribe, transcribe your voice messages, you have to pay for it. It's uh, called premium voicemail in the US. I don't know if other, if I've not heard of other carriers doing that. I don't know if that's something like O2 or Alex, have you heard of like that sort of functionality in the UK on carriers? I, I haven't. What they charge you for voicemail? No, well, they charge you for transcription of voicemail. Oh. Uh, I haven't even seen that feature. That must be a US feature. Well, and Verizon also charges you if you want a bigger voicemail box. So they they have um, a limit to things. And I'm going to guess probably if it if it either your connection drops or something, it will have some way to magically. I say magically, but I you know seamlessly is probably the better word. But it'll have some way to transfer that back to the carrier. Or if it can't keep that connection for live transcription it'll send it to the carrier like if you have bad that's what i'm curious about because it if okay so if a call's active and it's hitting the iphone's voicemail app whatever subsystem yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but then it drops the call for signal reasons what wh- what then happens does the, the caller get a second voicemail greeting from the carrier voicemail system that's a good question because, because, yeah, because I could see a case where they're leaving a transcription on the phone, but then, do you know what I think they're going to do? Is, you know, you know, with um, there's a website which Apple have got that tells you what things are supported on certain carriers mm. in certain regions. Uh, okay. I think you know the website I'm on about. I would imagine, and in the UK, EE are usually the one that is really, really, really good at keeping up to up to speed with features that Apple have. So if one I could, the one big example I could think of is the uh the call features, iCloud calling on devices that aren't nearby. So if I took my iPad uh to the coffee shop and left my phone at home, my iPad could still get a phone call because they're not near each other. EE are the only one that supports that. I'm gonna think this is this is a feature that the carrier's gonna have to do. Well just like visual voicemail was Visual voicemail yes, for the exactly. longest time in the UK was O2 only. That's correct. Yeah, O2 were the first carrier to 
take the iPhone. So and Saruchi brings up a, a, a point, and I think Saruchi um, talks about how voicemail recording is free, visual voicemail transcriptions is a premium feature. I do know, at least on the business side, um, when I was helping with that at a former company, that the voicemail inbox, maybe it's an Android, but there is a thing you could pay to get more because we had some, some of our individuals needed more, a bigger inbox because they were getting a lot of calls, so we paid for the extra feature for that. And yeah, Saruchi also says it depends on which side drops, like who's the Terminator. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see all the sides of this because because this is a huge thing. It brings back the time of the answering machines. Like I remember I loved answering machines. I, I loved calling up my my home or my parents' business at, at the time when I was six and leaving voicemails and listening to them back. I love the technology of that. And <laughs> instead of a cassette tape, you now have a phone doing all this stuff. Yeah. One thing I did want to say, the example they gave on the, um, on the, on the thing – uh, was you know of uh, because the same idea is that you know you might not recognize the number or you're in a meeting and it will live transcribe what the you said oh you know for example if you had uh, Nico calling hey mom I found out what the noise in the basement was turns out Nico's got a raccoon problem and <laughs> I just had to smile about that that was funny also Nico did definitely look like Bruno and I just wanted to sing the whole way through the keynote. We don't talk about Nico. No, 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 (laughs) no. I have to say to that, like, I hope that it also goes on the iPhone. I I hope, I hope it also shows up on the Apple watch because sometimes you can see when people leave voicemails. Imagine if you, if your iPhone is connected to your Apple watch, be able to see the transcription as you're going through and be like, Oh crap. This is my mom calling. I better answer. Or, oh, it's my mum calling. I'm not going to answer that in 100 years. <laughs> I'm not saying about whose mum I was aiming that at, but, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> no, no. And now, speaking of voicemail, some, there's another service that is replacing, and certainly there's, an, there's another service that Apple provides that is called FaceTime. And FaceTime is amazing, both in video and audio. James and I will use that all the time. Like, like, can you imagine if if it was the nineties? This is our cell phone bill. This would be our cell phone bill in the nineties. Jay would have to be delivered by several UPS vans just for just for our cell phone bill. Yes, because the, the, the hours and hours we talk sometimes on the phone. But like, one 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 thing about that um, about FaceTime. You, you call somebody and they're not able to, to answer. Then you have to message them. Well, FaceTime will, you will now be able to do a audio or video message to the person to say, Hey, here, I, I'm just trying to give you a call. And I'm wondering if they're going to have the live transcription on that. That'd be really cool. I doubt but, it somehow because I don't think it, it, it's not quite the same thing with FaceTime, is it? I don't think it's, true. I don't think it's designed in that way, but. That would be interesting. I do love that you can le- now leave a message. But obviously, when you've got someone calling you on the phone, or indeed on FaceTime, at the moment, yeah, you can set your own photo of them, and, um, you know, it looks okay. Or they can send you a, a, a photo or a... Oh, is it an emoji? The ones... Yes. Yeah? Yep. The, the ones that you do yourself? I know, for example, yeah, Alex... Right. Sorry, I know, for example, Alex, your contact information is your emoji... It is. But Apple have taken this up a notch, and there's part of this which I think is great for inclusivity. And Jay, and in fact, and both of you, who wants to take it away on the actual profiles, on the profile posters? So um, I 
I will, because I've also was listening to ATP on some interesting points that they brought up on this. So the posters are, um, are a functionality that will be part of the, the, the contact card. I, I was looking at the specs on this. So it'll be added to the contact card when people call you. Um, a, ATP brought up a very valid point that when you call somebody or message somebody after you, after you, you, you get that call, the system will then say, Hey, this person has a photo or, or name. Do you want to accept it? One thing that this is probably going to involve, and no one knows the specifics yet until developers get with this. I mean, I, I have not seen this part, but it's probably going to be an opt-in system where you have to opt in to, to get somebody's call poster because you don't want just a random stranger sending you a photo on, on my contacts. On, on that call yes, card. No, I see what you mean. Yeah. So this is probably going to be something that, that, that you set up, well, this, this will be something that you will set up just like the, the lock screen, um, customizability. It, it, for instance, it's similar. You, know, you can modify the text, the colors, every, and everything, but it'll probably be something that you set up. And then once you initiate contact with the other individual, it will then say, Hey, this person has a, a call card. Do you want to accept it? Specifics, I'm still trying to, to be fair. That's how they do contact photos. And, uh, cause at the moment, you can send your contact card and you can send your photo. You make it available. You choose who you make it available to and they choose to accept it. So, for example, even if Jay updates her profile photo, I can still choose whether or not I want to accept it. So they've already got that mechanism in place. And an interesting aspect along with that is they there is now a pronoun field in the contacts app. So this this pronoun field is going to be part of, part of the uh, contact card, but there is a strong focus on privacy. So it it, it is apparently a not not just a, a basic text field, which probably in many regards is wise because like Discord's adding a text field, and everybody's t- finding all ways that that can go back. I mean, there are a lot of pronouns out there, and like a lot of near pronouns. But one of the reasons why you will select pronouns, and I hope I hope Apple's very inclusive on near pronouns, and hopefully there are going to be updating that as time goes on same way same with, 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 uh, with emojis and stuff like that. But there's going to be a, these will be in multiple languages and app and Apple's going to even include an explan- explainer for those on how to use the, the pronouns and grammatical examples, which is huge. That's a big Being deal. Able to yeah. like, okay. How do you talk to this person and, and use the pronouns correctly? And there is a policy in it that, that is, that says that the pronouns are only used on your device by supported Apple apps. They're not shared with Apple or third-party developers, which is wise because so, so it is a great way for Apple to be able to consolidate how they reference the users on the platform, on the phone. And like Siri can even refer to you. Oh, properly. Your, oh, okay. Yeah. That's good. But then, um, and I love that. I, I love the fact that they're really working on that. And then you can set that for somebody and they can refer to that individual in that way as well. But it's going to be private that apps can't just read it. That because I, I think pronouns should be per. I think pronouns should be per app. Pronouns should definitely be something that you put on each app because, like one th- one thing Discord does again is they do the pronoun field per server. In case there's a server out there you don't feel comfortable sharing your pronouns right. in, you can choose not to. But there is, and there's a very very valid use case for not share not allowing that to be accessible via just anything with contact access, and the reason is simple. WhatsApp, yeah, will do contact discovery. We'll upload your entire stuff. You can guarantee that if you let Facebook Messenger do that, for example, you are going to get targeted ads. So, it, well done, Apple, for respecting privacy on this. 
and I'd say even well, well done Apple for bringing in pronouns at all. Cause I, cause I know pronouns is a hot issue and, and it's an issue. It's an issue that a lot of places, I mean, but then again, again Apple is also the one that brought in multiple forms of pregnant individuals and, that was another well done by Apple for doing that. So I just, I wanted to bring that up and it'll be interesting to see how this, how this takes form. I'm just, again, I'm very impressed <laughs> that they decided to make this a, do you think feature? we're going to have a move to Android from a lot of the, um, DeSantis and Trump crowd? Oh, I yeah. mean, and, and but others it, anyway, anyway, let, let's not go down that route. Yeah. Let's not go down that, that, that route. But, but you know, if 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 you wanted to to um if you were the ones if you if you ever want to talk about your your disgruntlement with Apple, I will let you know that Apple Messages has has updated to include stuff to be able to make using messages much better. That that you can they've added some cool things like say you're in a very active group chat, they've added a really cool feature called catch up that'll say hey here's where you last left off. It's kind of like some of the uh, that's good the things you see on slack on on discord even on like rip tweetbot and twitterific and stuff like that and what you see on on ivory i mean you, but things like things like that where you can see what see what's what's there um you can now search better so there's there's search filters like you can search for stuff from a specific person i believe based off date ranges am i right on that i think so i think you Certainly, can yeah search yeah, you can. yeah search filters implies more than just search as is in messages that are you know within this date so yeah search filters is really good catch up is good one thing i really like because i because i know this happens to me for us services still insist on using two-factor codes via sms ebay i'm looking at you that's a big one <laughs> it can and uh various other services oh um universal credit here in the uk you know various things <laughs> iOS 17 that can now automatically clean up verification codes that clog up your messages app. Because obviously it can fill them, it can detect them, but there's no point keeping hold of the old ones. It clears them. But I think that's brilliant. Well, that is good. And that's also, I would think, on, on, on a security aspect, because then an a, a app or something couldn't read those messages or something could access your phone. It, they, they can't see the old me- the old messages uh, there as well. Yeah, I might be wrong, but I don't think third party apps can ha- access messages. I don't think they can. Okay, good. No. I was just thinking of yep. like I was just thinking that, there, that it would be another way to add. Privacy well, because that's one of the too. things like Google and and Facebook are angry about is that oh my gosh on on iPhone we can't be the default messaging app. There's a reason for that. Like we we've talked about this. Go transcribed audio messages. Now, me and Jay have had some issues with audio messages not being delivered properly and it could just be something as simple as it could be issues on our iphone it could be a network issue but it does mean we've missed message we think we've missed messages but one of the cool things is they're adding the same transcription to audio messages that we're doing on the phone so if you maybe aren't in a position okay i'll be honest there have been times where jay sent me an audio message and i'm not in a position where i can listen to an audio message Maybe I don't have my hearing aids in or don't have headphones in and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to see everyone. Well, they're now going to transcribe on device or as audio message. I, again, I think that's brilliant. That's good. I think a caveat with any of these transcriptions, visual voicemail and that, make sure you listen to the original audio too, because sometimes things can be read differently in the transcription. Like, like, 
just saying that there could be some miscommunication if you go on only the audio message transcription. That is true. That's a fair point. Alex and Jay, how many times have you actually replied? Now, I want to be careful how I say this. Uh, use the reply functionality in messages, but not just typing a reply, but actually, as in typing something, but actually replying to a specific message. How many times have you both used that? Oh, all the Alex? time. Yeah. Always all the time. Yeah. Okay. Do, do you find it a bit frustrating, though? Because you actually have to, like, you can't yeah, just. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You have, yeah. You have to tap and hold, tap and hold, don't you, and choose reply yeah. or. Well, Brad in swipe to reply. Nice. Which is like WhatsApp, yeah. And, and Signal and all that, because I love it in Signal. It's, WhatsApp it's nice has to be it. Able to be signal like, has it, yeah. A, a meta product I used to use has it. Meta, meta, meta Messenger has it. <laughs> is that what it's called now? Please tell me. Is it, is it, is it Meta Messenger? Is it now Facebook? Is it still meta, Facebook, isn't it? Or no, it's still Facebook. I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. I mean. <laughs> i sorry. In my head, it's all meta. Oh, yeah. Um, a. But and you know what? One thing that that I think is really cool that they've added is check-in notification. Mm. Mm. So, am I right that it will try to figure out when someone's going to be home? Or uh, yes, it does. Yeah, I think you can turn it on manually and say, "Look, you know, I'm expected home at this time." Or yeah, and the idea is it will say, "I've got home safely." So instead of having to use Find My, now Find My is great if you've got people turned on for it. But I think this works without having to have Find My access. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So this means the advantage to that is it means you could say, for example, let's say, let's say that we've all met up in the, in the summer, which I think might actually happen. I said to Alex, oh, you know, as a pr- true north, oh, give me three rings when you get in, as Peter K used, uh, used to say. <laughs> well, Alex could say, I'll actually, I'll, you know, I'll give you a check it. I'll let you know, you know, I'll check in when I've got home. Well, this check in feature allows you to do that without Alex having to worry about me knowing exactly where he is. Uh, and if you're going past the time that you said you're going to be home, then it'll sort of notify and give alerts. I think this is such a huge privacy-focused way to keep it, to help people. Now, isn't one of the biggest problems that we have with, like, I, I'm going to say young adults who have, shall we say, controlling parents, well-meaning but controlling parents, this could solve part of that problem by being, look, you can feel safe knowing that I'm on my way here without stalking me. I mean, how many of us may have ADHD and sometimes forget to check in with somebody? You say, hey, I'll let you know I get home, and then I don't. Or people that you know are traveling to different parts of, of a country, and you're like, and you just get scared of them to get arrive safe, and then they don't message you when they get there, and you're like, did you make it safely? I mean, obviously, Jay speaks from experience of someone forgetting to mention that he'd safely arrived at a train station near his parents. Yes, I am very sorry about that. But checking would solve that problem, right? Would, it would. I wasn't <laughs> trying to, 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 to put the fingers at you, dear. Inline location's nice as well. That means it's going to be easier to see rather than having to... When you do want to share a location, it's much nicer. Alex, one of the things you, you I think you were quite happy to see is uh, iMessage apps have got a bit of a tidy up, right? Yeah, so they, uh, when you're typing a message to someone, you've got all that extra buttons above the keyboard, and they've moved it to a separate UI. And there's also a new uh, stickers UI as well. So uh, it sort of goes hand-in-hand hand with iMessage, because you use stickers with iMessage. So you can turn... So that, I think last year they added the um, ability to hold down on something on a photograph, either a cat or a person, and turn that into a sticker... And you can now use those as stickers. And they're synced with iCloud as well. So you can use them on your other devices, oh, cool. which is really good. And 
what's cool is it's not just locked to iMessage anymore. Any any ah, yes. third party app can can access stickers as well, which again just opens it up to the fact that like I think Apple realizes we're not all going to be on the same messaging apps. We're not all going to use iMessage, but but the functionality is now part of the yep uh, of the ecosystem. That is really cool. I, I like it. I mean, I I love that light. The be a pull someone out of the background. Number of times I've used it, and obviously, um, can I just say by the way, if the um, Craig Federighi basketball um, sticker does not come shipped with every single iPhone and iOS seventeen, I'm gonna write to Tim. That has to be in there <laughs> by default. It, can I not be a sticker pack? They sell like Apple Executive Pack, like you know. <laughs> no, maybe not. All right, all right. It's all right. Craig with a yeah, guitar, Craig with so, basketball. Love it, Craig with a guitar. Oh yes, right. Apple Music. Now this is something I think you picked up on. Wasn't announced. So a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is stuff that did not get announced in the keynote, but we found out about a few days later. But Alex, I think you picked up on this, didn't you? This feature is amazing. I mean, there's quite a few things that, especially this year, were glaring omissions from Apple software for quite a while. One of them is collaboration on Apple Music playlists. So you can now work together with two or, maybe two or more people on a playlist together. Uh, that's a feature that Spotify's had for a very long time. And previously, you'd have to make a playlist, share it, and then get someone else to add their songs, which was a bit bit janky. But now you can work on a playlist together, and you can even add emojis to certain tracks they've added, saying you like it or dislike it. Oh, I like that. Yeah, before you'd you kinda have they'd add their own songs but then have to send a new playlist back to you. It wasn't Yep, that's right. Because that's one that's one thing I loved I loved on Spotify was being able to collaborate and playlist, have things added. Um I know I, I did a few of those. I, I know that like there are there are certain playlists that like that that like that, that you'll share with somebody and it's cool to now have the collaboration because Apple Music already added the ability to surface public playlists. It makes sense with all of this stuff that with a bigger focus on collaboration over the last few years with Apple services, with SharePlay and stuff like that, uh, it makes sense that they would be adding collaboration. Because it's one of the big things that separated Apple Music from, from Spotify. Oh, yeah. Because as someone who was a fan of Spotify for and like used social features, I I'm, this is one of the features that was making mm. me miss Spotify. And now it's it's there. I mean, I so I Alex, this was a great find when you were looking at stuff because this makes Apple Music... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Much more of a value proposition yeah. in my book. Now, the next thing is AirDrop has had a bit of improvement. Now, I've realized that, so we got, we got a few things in a bit of an odd way. So first of all, new feature for AirDrop. It's called name drop. Now, I like, <laughs> I like this. This is really cool. And the idea is now, look, is to share contact info by just by bringing your iPhones and your watch or your watch near to each other. So I, I'm assuming this is going to work watch to watch as well. I hope so. Um, I believe it's going to use the same. You can choose what data gets shared, but it's probably going to use the same profile card as the phone app did. It'll probably share that information. But it reminds me of a very old iPhone app called Bump that did the same sort of thing. I think it, it's brilliant. You can, and the key thing here is you can choose what to share because you know, like for example, in my contact card for, for for me, I've got things like who my partner is or who my parents are, or things that I don't necessarily want to share to a some random stranger instead of a business card. I mean, Alex, you do more media stuff than I do, more sort of going out and meeting companies. Do you have business cards or do you just do? I have got just literally a few weeks ago got them made, <laughs> and but 
before I had them, I just would just write down people's emails and notes. Oh, okay. Well, it's a bit, I mean, this is going to be fun. Jay, I think you raised a really good point. It would be nice to have something for Android users, but Apple aren't going to... Apple obviously have a business to run, right? And they want to get you hooked. Yeah. Well, they'll only and they'll only make Android clients where it can make them some money. Oh. Hence, Apple Music, Apple TV Plus. That's a good point. Yeah. And Find My. An interesting detail. Well, oh. not Find My, VA Tech stuff. An, an interesting detail that I that I saw um, mm. about name drop is that the pronoun field, if you said that for your, your, your contact card, will be shared when you share contacts. So that that, that is another reason I think why they added the pronoun field was, was by adding this name drop feature, they could they could do that as well. And I think that also goes when you share your, your contact detail and like iMessage and stuff like that. But um, ATP made one good point. What's the radius going to be? Like, is it going to actually have you have to physically, if, if people can't see it might be the same as a home pod on a phone when you bring them to hand over the music, which is really cool. Cause I've actually used that quite a lot here. Like I, I just to, to, to do, oh, and I even remember when I was at, when I was at, at, at your place, James, I, I actually started playing on your home pod by literally taking my phone up toward it. So that technology is really cool. It is. I think Alex, I'm right. This is probably going to be using ultra wideband. That's what we're talking about. Isn't it? Using the UWB. I think it is. Yeah. Now, is it, was the iPhone, the iPhone 11 get UWB? I think it did. Uh, yes, I've got the iPhone 11, right. so yes, okay. it does. So yeah. iPhone 11 and up will have this, we'll probably have this. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be not too close, not where you have to actually smash your phones against, against each other. And I think that's brilliant. So uh, in addition to sharing your, your, your contact details, one thing that they've added as well is being able to share photos and videos using AirDrop. You could already do that through AirDrop. What? What they're saying is the same sort of way that you can use name drop, you can now bring your phone. You proximity sharing is what they're talking about. Yeah, that's cool because I know like when my nephew did the the Apple um, the Apple events at the at the Apple Store, he he did, he he did the uh, the the Apple Campus things where like you could, you could go and learn about iMovie or learn about the uh, the Spiro robots. One of the biggest things that the, the trouble at the, at the end of the, the week was when they were trying to send the stuff, was trying to figure out, okay, out of this whole airdrop in this entire oh, mall, who, who's your who's device? Your actual phone that you want to send it back to? Yeah. That's, yeah. Now, this is cool because, again, it means you, you – one of the things that they highlighted, and I like this a lot, is – not having to hand your phone over to someone to look at photos or to get your contact information because there is a real risk that once you hand your phone over to someone, they, A, have your phone. They could then walk off with it. But, B, you are handing your phone over in an unlocked state, which means actually from a lot of things, they could get into pretty much anything that's not then secondary protected, right? Oh, yeah. So this is a big privacy and security thing as well. And part of me almost feels like this was maybe developed and, and put into into development during a pandemic because this sort of stuff mm. again means you're not having to physically touch someone's phone with your hands so and one side benefit uh the the wall street journal article that that that, that came out showed a glaring issue in iphones that you can change an apple apple account password with just your your passcode because what people would do is they would they would sometimes say, "Hey, do you, um, you, you two seem like having a fun time at this bar? Can I take can I take your photo?" So the person would would, would the person would hand their phone over, 
and then the photo would be taken. But then while they're taking the photo, they would do the combination to lock the phone. Then the person would. Oh. Then when the, then when the victim got their phone back, they would put they they would put in the the, the passcode, and someone would be shoulder surfing and recording that phone. Then the then the victim would put the phone down and it would be taken. So I mean, so this is a it's a very convoluted around the about way. But it, it is also has an added benefit of stopping that. This was not developed because of that, but this can help solve that. When you see, when you said, oh, with Hammer Phone, I think, why don't we just use the camera from lock screen? And when I realized what you meant, they do the emergency, uh, emergency thing to lock the biometrics so that someone has to. Right. I get what you're saying. But yeah, so this solves that problem. Uh, and then the other thing, lo- just like large files now. So if you walk away from an airdrop, in normal circumstances, it will won't work. Airdrop can be very flaky, but what they're now saying is it will hand over to transferring via the internet. That's kind of cool. Absolutely, and it, it 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 also prevents having to use USB keys. Or and I know it's going to sound weird, but some people still use DVDs for file transfer. I know that. When's the last time? When's the last? When's the last time a Mac had an optical I, drive? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I bought an optical drive because I used to have to send files. Oh that wow! Way. <laughs> no, I mean I've got an optical drive for ripping DVDs, but that, that's all it's for. Yeah, me too. You know, yep. literally yeah. what it's for. But a lot of the stuff makes it where, and in, a lot of the stuff makes it incredibly amazing. And you know, I think it fixes a ducking problem on the. Oh, oh! Speaking oh, of that, very nicely done. Very nicely done. They have promised to fix keyboard and dictation errors. So ATP made an interesting note on this, by the way, look at the word that they used when they talk about the fact that they're going to try to fix your autocorrect issues there. And Apple's they're using the word transformer, which is a, can be also be another word for large language model. Cause they said, notice that Apple never said the word AI, yes. never said large language model or LLM because those are buzzwords. Apple's really saying this is machine learning and trying to really show all of this stuff's oh. on your device, not being yeah. sent mm-hmm. elsewhere. That's good. Your data's not being consumed by a third party company for this stuff. Your phone is learning it and it's, it's privately secured. But yeah, they're going to have inline predictions on, on text you might want to say. They're going to hopefully fix the issue of autocorrect. For instance, one thing that that series really bad with is. Say your name is Jay, but you spell it with an E, not a Y. Mm-hmm. Autocorrect and Siri likes to all the time say that I'm J-A-Y. Both uh, people that I know who try to do prediction with me say that the phone always wants to <laughs> redo my name to J-A-Y. So this should hopefully fix issues like that. Or when you just want to curse, and we're not going to say this curse words on on stream, but I think everybody's probably one of the curse and your phone will change the curse word to something else. And it's just like, yeah. And it's funny that, 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 uh, during the keynote, they actually referenced one of the most common curse words that gets on. Can I, can I raise a slight problem with this? Cause let's say that I'm helping Alex edit in ferrite and we want to talk about the ducking settings, the actual ducking settings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I made the joke with, with Canis, obviously, but the settings are duck, duck king, and duck off. 
in, in if you ever notice that in Ferrite, that's what they are. And that he said may or may not be intentional. But yeah, as you said, this is they're also going to have inline predictions like Gmail does to actually help you complete sentences that are inline. Now, I, you know, I hadn't really played with this much because not a Gmail user. I have used it a little bit, but today at work, um, I so the last this was last week. I've been given access to, I've been asked to help with another mailbox, which isn't in our actual support system. It is in our open CRM. By the way, that's what I say. Open CRM is a pile of garbage. Just saying it for the record. It's a horrible system. Anyway, but to, to use this mailbox, we're using Outlook on the web. It has those inline predictions. It's nice auto, auto, uh, inline completion. Great. So if iPhone starts, if iPhone starts getting that with privacy focused on device um, transformer models, perfect. I really like that. And again, it saves precious time. And, and a lot of what Apple's trying to do is save that precious time that you have. Jay, I think I want to get you to talk about this one because you'll be, I think, Alex, I don't think me and you journal, do we? No, I don't write anything down. No, no, <laughs> I, I don't do a diary. I don't really record my thoughts, but Jay, I know that. I know this has been so important to you. I know that it's so important to a lot of other people in different communities. Apple are bringing a journal app to iOS. Jay, why is this? Why do you think this is important? Why do you, what what are Apple doing that's maybe better than some of the, the existing solutions? Well, for instance, one reason why it's better than just making a notes folder called journal and then putting your stuff in there is. It's going to learn what you typically do put your in your journal and different types of media and things like that. And it's going to have a suggestion API for developers to say, Hey, you might want to include, you might want to suggest to users to include this thing from this app into your journal. So you can remember, for instance, where you ate, remember your feelings about where you ate, include photos. I currently use day one, which is an amazing service. Um, I'll be interested to see what I use once this is out, how this is, how the app compares to day one, because day one is, but journaling is an amazing way to kind of remember things, remember your thoughts and remember like what, what you're going through. And it's, it's, it's been a helpful way for me to work through therapy and things like that. And the, one of the things it's going to have is writing prompts. It's going to, and it's going to, it's going to have a notification to remind you, to remind you to write, which is great. But one of the biggest things about this, it is going to be end to end encrypted. And that is huge because sometimes these thoughts are thoughts that you don't want anybody else to see. And it's just a way for you to vent to anything in this journal app. And you don't want other people to see this. You don't want an, a, an app to be seeing what you're doing. You don't want a server to be reading what you're doing and you, and you, and to be, and be hearing your, your, your precious thoughts. So, journaling is an amazing way to track moods amazing way to track what's going on in your head and i find this a win i want to see what it does i want to see how it works because it may end up being like certain aspects of like the reminders app for instance is great but you want to go to certain things like like todoist or different different apps that for or omnifocus for more specific reminders but you may end up just liking Reminders and journal could be one where you may move from other apps to journal or you or journal may be someone's gateway into journaling and going forward. It'll be interesting to see if they somehow work with the suggestion app for a third party app, but I highly doubt it. I, I kind of think this is going to be it's going to be all about for the journal app and it'll be interesting to see what happens to other apps. I think we've got I, I, I think 
you know, there's a lot of stuff in this, this keynote and uh, announced after a keynote, so it could possibly Sherlock some stuff. But I don't, I think these services like Day One and like some of the other things have got enough of a loyal fan base that they've got their ecosystem and their workflow in those apps already. Apple bringing something to the table doesn't remove the value that these apps bring. It just means more people have accessibility to, to these services. Now, Speaking of making things accessible, making use of uh, of things you already have, um, Alex, stand by. <laughs> Sorry, maybe that joke last time it didn't work either. No, it confused me so much last time. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I really like this feature because uh, at home we've got a s- smart clock, like a smart alarm clock, like an, I think it's a Lenovo one. I really like it. Uh, it's got limited internet access, so it's in its own VLAN. So it's all, it's all secured off, but it, it's really nice. It tells you, uh, what the weather's like outside. It tells you the time. It's just a nice, nice little device. And Apple is sort of bringing that feature to the iPhone. So it's more of a big feature for the iPhone 14 Pro, which has a always on display, but you can basically put the phone on its side. You can get a stand from 12 South. I actually found the one they used in the pictures. It's got MagSafe, puts the iPhone in landscape mode and it will show you your it basically shows you a lot of features from the iPhone in a nice customized UI. So your meetings, your uh, weather, your home kit, accessories, uh, photos as well, as well as at nighttime. I didn't realize, but red apparently is a nice color to have on at nighttime. So it glows red at, at nighttime. And also it remembers what views you've had uh, from last time. So pretty good device, I think. A uh, pretty good uh, new screen, I think. And one of the podcasts I was listening to said that every MagSafe charger has a different serial number that's what it is then yeah oh it'll remember even based off of what charger you're using what you want to watch so you could for instance have in like one room you want to have specific you want to have a specific standby mode but say when you're in when you're in your bedroom on your nightstand you want to have this i I can see this being really cool for like for like couples having having each one having a having it on their nightstand and just being able to have what they need for their phones. I mean, it's a really cool way to, to bring it. Cause I had an echo show and I loved the echo show. <laughs> and sorry if I just made anybody's Amazon devices go on. I'm <laughs> that was not my intent, but I really enjoyed that Amazon product and being able to have stuff on there, but I did not. Hey, Alexa, order free new M2 Mac M2 ultra Mac studios and send them to the crosswires team. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um I thought you were gonna say um 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 lady in the tube order well, three We're gonna be realistic, we're gonna think that things are actually team. out. So, you know. Um yes. Um, true, true. Uh, this is, yeah, you're right. Like those echo shows and I mean you you know, they have now look, let's be honest, we're talking Echo Show, Amazon, Google Home, Google, Meta. What meta? These are all from companies that want your data. They want to know what your schedule is. They want to understand what you do. Whereas why not use a device that respects your privacy the most and have that on and, and it also it doubles, doesn't it? Because you're you're charging. And you know, another use case, let's take our friend well he's not really I wouldn't call him friend, our you know, podcast extraordinaire Marco Arment and his beach house and his other house. Well, he'll maybe want different things at the beach than he would at his normal house, you know. For example, if I'm on holiday at my parents' holiday home, I don't need my alarms. I don't need my work schedule because I wouldn't be at work. Um, unfortunately, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi is not good enough to do a remote job from. 
<laughs> yeah, 9to5Mac, uh, Felipe from 9to5Mac made a really good point. He said he thinks standby mode is an experiment for a new home focus device, which I would really love a HomePod smart clock device. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, because biggest thing about the Echo devices that I found was like the data had to be on Amazon and I'm very much a Apple ecosystem and I'm very much into the Apple world and having, and it'd be great to have all that data on this. And what I like is not having, is that I lost my thought. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I would love this to be another, another home pod device because, Oh, interesting. What if they bring standby into a window you can put in on your vision pro? You should wear that while you're asleep. <laughs> well, no, no, but like when you put your phone down in the standby, your Vision Pro could pull that in from the eye. Sorry, I'm just going to like all the ways that the Apple ecosystem. I, I think I, you you wouldn't wear a Vision Pro in bed. No, 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 Jay. no, no. You put your phone down while you're on your Vision Pro, and your Vision Pro. Actually, <laughs> sorry. That, actually, what if people fall asleep wearing it? Because if you lie down in bed, like you're facing the ceiling, you could watch the TV that ah. way. <laughs> you just fall asleep with it on. Yeah, maybe. Oh, could you like? Could it do like a nice eye massage at night? Like you know, no. <laughs> I mean, th- th- there are there was one one, one um um friend of the show Drew Ackerman um had a sponsorship with uh with with sleep phones and and they were they were headphones designed to be worn while you're sleeping, and I could see maybe someone makes a band for the Vision Pro. Anyway, that's that's tangenting off. But Apple look, Siri has its problems. One of the reasons Siri has its problems, I think, up until now, it's been fair to say, Jay and Alex, because Siri's not doing as much of the cloud processing to you know to hard track your data. So if it's not as responsible now, what they've said is, you know, maybe you know you don't want to yell at silly Siri anymore. You can just want to have a conversation. So now you can choose to say either just just S word or you know, uh, hey Apple lady. You can choose, so you can say Apple Lady or Hey Apple Lady can be customized. So you can say, you know, you just want to say Hey Apple Lady, you don't want it to, or both. Um, but more importantly, you can now do back to back requests. So, for example, you could say Hey Apple Lady, what's the temperature outside right now? And then you could say Okay, um, and I don't, and I don't know how this works. Okay, um, you know, when's my, when's the next bus to the beach? Like I don't quite know, or you know, or you could do. I think it's more going to be like continuing on the same workflow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. That's really cool. One big thing I know a few of us are interested. Offline Apple Maps. You'll be able to download Apple Maps for a given area. Yeah. So you can. There's some other bits and pieces of that. You can you can select an area on the map, download the full res, full detail, uh, full detail maps for that area, and then turn-by-turn directions to work offline, which is really good. Oh, cool. And then also you can choose to, you can, for some reason, you can tell Apple Maps to always run off in offline mode and it'll download those updates when and if you get signal, which is really good. Oh, I guess that's really good if you are in a low signal area, like Cornwall, yeah, yeah, yeah. for example. Yeah, or like, I, 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 I mean, some individuals I know use Apple Maps on their, on their iPad on a... And then like an Apple CarPlay variant, but but then when 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 they're traveling, there's no data to it. This will allow you to have that. So I mean, there's a lot of cool use cases. I remember a year, two years ago, I was tra- changing my phone. I didn't have my SIM, and turn by turn was very interesting because I had to go somewhere while my phone had no cell phone signal. This would have fixed that. Speaking of maps, now <clears throat> disclaimer: 
The following segment of the show is not produced by Crosswires. This is a charging status announcement to comply with the terms in my contract with my employer. Je- uh, all Crosswires team members are required to remain silent during this segment. <laughs> um, for electric vehicle owners, there's some interesting features for Apple Maps. There's, well, we've had customized, uh, well, we've had EV routing for a little while, but now you can customize your EV routing based on your preferred charging network. This is very limited to the US only because it's only available in two vehicles right now in the US. And there were some other features announced, sort of found in the in the in the uh, software of iOS 17. The Apple is going to integrate with the charging networks and even tell you how fast your car's charging within Apple Maps, which is I really like that feature because it can get quite complicated to use all the different apps to charge your car. I am going to say very cool. And that's all I'm going to say. I still need to clarify what my contract, because look, okay, my contract means I can't produce, I can't share a podcast about EV stuff or EV charging news. But this isn't, this isn't about an EV. It's not about a particular charging network. So I think we're okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But you, you know, your company could could send you a link to look at at the contract, and that link may include a tracking info on it. But Apple's Apple's adding a thing where in Safari, it was going to remove tracking info from links. Now, am I right? This is only in private browsing, or is this all links? This is deep. This is this was revealed yesterday or today. This is this is going to be the default behavior for Safari. I love that because I know it's going to be bad for marketers. But one of the biggest things that I that I that I hate is is how much data can we come from a tracking link. Yep. So if you click on a a link from a newsletter, for example, you'll notice there's extra bits of stuff in the link. They're just going to take that up by default, and that's going to it's it's going to do some stuff via DNS as well. It's going to route your DNS via iCloud Private Relay, even if you don't pay for iCloud Private Relay. Oh, that's cool. Oh, so is iCloud Private Relay becoming a public feature, a free feature? Then, or is it just some uh, stuff? Of, is I think just oh, okay. some stuff, yeah. Because look, iCloud Plus. Interestingly, I think I might be wrong on this. iCloud Plus, you get it even if you just pay for iCloud storage. V fifty gigs, sto- seventy nine, seventy nine yeah. p a month. Yep. It, it, like honestly, actually, quickly, can I just say I I was working with a, a client today, and he's going to be um, we're sort of we're moving his email away, his personal email, back to iCloud from Gmail. And we're getting him set up. Um, there's some features that are really going to help him and his wife. Uh, I will say iCloud for Windows is getting better. But one of the really interesting things is just how much of a good value the Apple One family plan at £23 a month. Very good value for what you get with it. Oh, is there different tiers? Because I paid for the one that's 32 So there's one below it, the family plan. Which is basically only two fifty gig of storage and doesn't have um, news or fitness. That's the difference, right? Okay. Uh, and for, for, for this client, it's it's perfect. And like like and on a family plan, it, it it's an amazing value because like I was paying for all this stuff by myself, and I was and I was also paying for Spotify. You know, I was doing all these other services, and I now have access to all it in one and i and um i'm sharing that with that with well, with, with uh, james think, family and it's i think i think you'll find great. i'm is sharing it, 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 you and my family as in so let me rephrase that because you're obviously oh, true, part true. of the family what i mean is i'm sharing my my existing family plan with jay i'm it's it's yeah 
Just, just, just for clarity, because I'm in. I know, sorry, I it's got all it. good. It's all good. I mean, Jay just. What's paid. yours is mine, and what's mine exactly, is yours. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But you know, one thing that 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 you should probably do with that, what I just said, is you should write that down on the iPad because oh. the iPad has a lot of new changes coming in. One of the biggest is the lock screen is now going to have customizability um, similar to the iPhone. So the so that last year the iPhone got lock screen customization and a lot of really cool things like I, I but the iPad has felt kind of like okay I've got all this space let me customize it in a, in a similar fashion and I want I'll, I'll be curious how many widgets they can add because the iPhone is a little bit more limited because it needs space for notifications and it'll be interesting to see how many more widgets we can add on the iPad because you can really you can add them to the side can't you yeah. Yeah, which because the problem on i on iPhone is you've only I mean look, um here we go um let me see am I right in thinking the iPad you can add widgets to the lock screen on the but like on the side of the yes. screen now yes yes because yeah because that's the whole but so hang on on the iPhone you've kind of got that yeah and yep. then and then down below is all of your notifications yeah so, so you've, they, got, they, you've got they, very they limited space whereas on the iPad doing that left hand side means you've got loads of space and one that one 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 thing about the widgets. Widgets are cool, and I, I, I've been enjoying seeing widgets more. But widgets have not been interactive; they, they've been static. I was listening to ATP on on how widgets work, actually, and Marco said that how widgets work is the app will be pulled every so often, and then it'll make the app active, and then it'll become deact, de- and then it'll deactivate. From what Marco has been able to find so far, with there are certain elements of the widget that now can be. Pr- you, that 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 you're able to press on the widget, it'll start the app, do that action, and then pause it again. So it's trying to still conserve your memory and your battery power and all that. But these actions allow the the app to do things in the in, in the background. He, he was saying probably similar and different thing, but yeah. So it was interesting to find that it, that it is that widgets aren't keeping an app open. It's just pulling when it needs to. It's it's based, yeah. It's giving developers more option to push it, pull them, push and pull information from their app based on user interaction. That's really good. I mean, look, there's a lot. Like again, lock screen customization is going to be nice. It's nice to have that brought over to iPad. I mean, basically, iPad tends to be a little bit behind on some of those customization features that iPhone gets. I mean, I remember. I might be wrong on this. I think there's been times when iPads had features that I, iPhone hasn't. I think iPad got folders first. Oh, it got yeah, it got the Files app first. Yes, right. That's yes. right. But um, iPhone got app library. iPhone got app library first. But I mean, app folders back in the day, I can't remember which version. It, it might have been like iOS. I think when the iPad launched, it had app folders, whereas the iPhone didn't. But there's things like wallpapers didn't come to iPad for a little bit. I can't quite remember the order, but it is. And if anybody remembers, email podcast at crosswires.net um, because I've forgotten. I, I, uh, so iPad got wallpapers before iPhone, I think. I think you're right, actually. And one thing that the iPhone got first, but the iPad now has is live activities. Those now show up on the iPad. And all these things just make the the iPad a much better device and a a great device extension of of your iPhone. Well, and companion to your iPhone. I and also I think more and more the iPad starts to become a real for a lot of people the only 
non-phone device you need. Absolutely. There are many times I know whenever I, I whenever I travel, I take just my iPad and I leave my my um my Mac. I mean, it's, it's a Mac Mini, but I leave it. Uh, but I, I leave my my computer at home, and then I just like I've got ways to connect in. I won't say any because I don't want to give away of attack vector. But now, one thing that the iPad is also getting, and this one is actually going to be pulling data from the from the iPhone, will be the Help app. app. So is it synced? Sorry to interrupt. Is it synced from the iPhone, or is it brought from your iCloud? I think it's an iCloud. I think it's. I think it might be only if you've got that new. Um, oh, what's that thing called? The encryption thing. I enabled it. Oh, the advanced data protection. Yeah, I think that is only. I might be wrong about that, but. Oh, interesting. That makes sense because it has to be intent encrypted. But it's still pretty cool that that's been brought. Obviously, you'll be able to see your health data on a bigger screen. Um, it supports HealthKit for other apps to bring data in because, again. You, I think you made this point, Alex, that you might have Bluetooth blood pressure stuff and Bluetooth scales or Wi-Fi scales and don't have an iPhone. Well, now you're able to bring that into the health app. Yeah. There are, there's a lot of accessories which aren't the Apple Watch and aren't Fitbits and things that can talk to the health app. I think that's beneficial. Well, and sometimes you want to have a bigger screen to look at like historical data on, 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 on graphs and be like, okay... I'll look through all this stuff and see how my data is doing. Or if you go to the doctor and, and you can show the doctor your iPad with all your data on it. And that, and that way they can see a history of how, of, of how things are, are going. So it is really cool. And one, and another aspect that um, speaking of doctors and forms, the, the, the uh, PDF, the iPad can now detect types of entries such as name and, 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 and autofill stuff that you used to have to use other apps for. This is now can, this now can be done on through the PD, through the, uh, the, 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 the iPad's native PDF functionality. This is huge because look, PDFs can be a real nightmare. I mean, to, to be fair, it's hard enough getting companies to send you PDFs rather than Word files or Excel files. I genuinely had a new starter form from a job that wasn't too long ago. Let's just say that. But it was an Excel file. Sounds like that company could listen to our last episode and and move their document storage to Nextcloud to automatically convert to PDFs. Well, but that wouldn't have helped, I don't think, because... No, I was trying to make it... I I know, no, no, I know what you're saying, but... The thing is, doing well-designed PDF forms is so important, and the fact that the iPhone's going to be able to recognize these fields, it's also going to be able to do signatures. I think you can obviously still do one with the Apple Pencil, and it's going to be more of a dedicated signature thing. But I think, just like on the Mac, you can have your stored signatures now on, I- on That's iPad. That's cool. Really cool. Mm. Uh, there's a bit of a follow-up. So the health health app iCloud requires just 2FA. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That so makes sense. That's all encrypted. That makes sense. I'm glad they're encouraging good authentication. I think, to be fair, any of that data, any data syncing, that, I, I think any data syncing with sensitive stuff requires 2FA. Like, I think messages in iCloud requires 2FA. I think, I, in fact, I think most new, I think Apple are really pushing for 2FA on iCloud right now. Oh, yeah. It's really uh, important. It would be great, great if you could use a passkey. I don't know. You can, I think. No, not passkeys. So, oh, do you, oh, I mean, I, mean, a, I was thinking of a, mean um, a security key. I'm, I'm thinking passkeys. Yeah. I don't know how that would work. How would you have a passkey to to get to your? Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe not so much. One final thing that that we have in in the PDF changes, and this is really cool. If you're using Notes 
for like for like for like for like um for storing PDFs and sharing with those, you can actually live um you can now collaborate on a PDF for like entering things together, which which is great if you're like say you're working on a on a form or you're working on a I know um at one at one job they were tr- they were working on a new proposal for a for like a for like a grant and it, it and they had to like pass the paper all around everybody what they could have just had everybody sharing on one iCloud note mm-hmm. could have been like okay i'm going to or yeah they could have collaborated on, on on the pdf in 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 different places so live collaboration and stuff like that is really cool i mean this as well let's say that you are studying you're doing a study project or you know you're doing a class a, a group project at university you have uh, the research material and you can collaborate and highlight stuff together. You can, um, you know, go through, say, for example, the user guide for a Cisco switch and you can write expletives <laughs> about how hard it is to use. Um, sorry, you had to make that joke. Oh my gosh. Cause I know one of the, th- one of the stuff that, that, that Apple's bringing are definitely trying to, to make education for, I mean, education better as an alternative to, to like Google Classroom and stuff like that. I didn't even think about that for study. It, 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 like a lot of Apple's features are, think about like pages and keynote collaboration. Apple really are doing a lot. I, but, and, and Apple have the whole classroom thing. And, you know, the only thing I wished, I was really hoping for an iOS, iPad OS 17. And we got a few more bits to talk about, but I was really hoping for multi-user support. Because an iPad is much more like a Mac, but you should be able to have multi-user. I think we're getting closer to that with the feature in Safari. Uh, actually, let, let's finish off this little bit of uh, iPad. Remember, we've got some news about iOS uh, support. Um, stage Manager. Oh, no, it's kind of... So Stage Manager is now going to... There's been a few updates, but one of the big things is you're going to... Now, if I've understood this correctly, you're going to be able to use the Studio Display webcam and other external USB cameras with the iPad. Yeah, that's if you're using the iPad as a standalone computer and having this screen as a external monitor, I think. Yeah. Well, I get... So does that... So this is what... It says, and other external USB cameras. Now, is that just if you're using it with display? Or because I'd be really curious to see. Actually, let's have a look at Mac. I'm not sure. We've, we've, let's have a In fact, no. But yeah, it, I'm just curious. I mean, there's a Mac Rumors article. Let's, do you know what? I'm quickly, I'm quickly going to look at this. So this is now. Uh, and other it's to can. Oh, thanks, Jay. Oh, it's from Stephen Robles. He was, he's got a. Oh, he's got a, just a, a webcam attached to the iPad itself. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so yes, now then. This also potentially means that you could... I wonder if multiple cameras are supported. But also, that means you could actually plug in... Because if it's supporting standard video devices, capture box would work. Oh, that's well, right. it says uh, USB-A webcams are also supported with an adapter. Well, one thing I, I already could think of is say you're, you're using the iPad for like, for like a, a zoom call, but you need a different camera angle than what the iPad can provide. You can then use that to, to cause it, cause it, cause on, cause like Stephen's example it seems a little bit more weird because there's already a camera on the iPad, but this way. But it's not a great camera. If you're wanting to stream, you want, but it's not a bad camera, but for someone like ourselves, Jay. 
we'd want that's true. the wrong angle. So, yeah, it's the wrong angle. You don't want an open nose shot. Whereas, yeah, exactly. So yeah, what one change that I think should be, should we should bring up is find my is find my item. You can now share with up to five people. This is my favorite feature from the whole event. I think. <laughs> yeah, because so <laughs> because what I think the example you gave what shared car keys for example or yeah 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 so. We got, we got, yeah. There's in in my family. There's a vehicle that's shared between three or four people. So, and every time someone takes that vehicle out with the air tag on it, it warns you. Oh, look, you've been followed. But this feature knows who the owner is, and it will remind. It knows who the owner is. It will tell the owner if they've left the keys behind, and then the people that are shared with it don't get told that they're being followed. Ah, uh, that's good. And would and uh, uh, okay. So it's only the owner who would get told they'd left him behind. That's what I've read. I might be that wrong. That makes a lot of sense. Because, yeah, because if it's a shared car, you don't want to get reminded that you've left the shared car keys at home. But that yep. makes sense. So it's more, these are the people who it's okay for these keys to be traveling with. Yep. Now, here's a question. Do you have to accept a shared item request before it stops doing that? I would imagine I'd so. I hope so, because otherwise that's a, that defeats the whole... Yes, exactly. I would imagine so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Now then, uh, we should talk about, okay, that time of year again where we find out what iPhones and what iPads become, shall we say, well, actually, I'd say not unsupported is the wrong word because Apple have actually recently been much better. They did support, they have for what, last couple of years supported the previous iOS and iPad OS version. iOS 12 still gets security updates. Really? Yeah. Wow. Hang on, what? Yeah, we've got an iPad that only runs iOS 12, uh, and it and it still gets updates okay. for security I don't, stuff. Wow, okay, that's great. Okay, I need to dig into that more because that changes things a little bit. But from in terms of getting the latest and greatest, let's see. So basically, phones cut out of the iPhone 8, 8 Plus and the original the iPhone 10 on the iPhone side. So anything newer than that is fine. The iPad is a bit of an interesting one. So basically, it drops support for pretty much anything pre-2018. So, let's see. Which is still not bad. Yeah, I was just saying the iPhone 10, that it doesn't seem like it's... It doesn't seem like long ago, but it, it is. It's like eight years, it, isn't it? When what, When was the iPhone 10? 2017. So, three... Six years. Six, okay. Still, six years. Still, That's it. That's, That's not, not bad. bad at all. And it's not like, as you said, it's not like it's not going to get security updates. Probably you've got another year on those phones. The iPads, 6th gen and newer iPad is supported. And then it drops support for the first 12.9 and the original 9.7 inch iPad Pro from 2015-2016. Yeah, the iPad 5th generation came out in May 2017. So that's Again, six years. Yeah. Right? Unless I'm getting things wrong. Three, six, yeah, that six is six years. years, yeah. I don't think that's <laughs> bad at all. Well, yeah, consider, do you remember the iPad 2? That was supported for ages. It was, wasn't it? It really was. But but then again, things have moved on so much. Yeah, the the original iPad Pro, I remember that one. Uh, that, that was the one that was available in pink or whatever colour it was. 2015, so that's uh, five, six, seven, that's eight years. It's, wow. Oh, 2016 for the 9.7. Oh, I mean, okay, the the two point, the oh yeah, the twelve the twelve point nine one came did. first, didn't it? It yeah. did. Yeah, I think I know someone who's got one of those. In fact, I think a friend I'm going to see. I I do as well. I'm going to see someone. Yeah, here, yeah. So, I mean, look again. Still, uh, look, that twenty sixteen is what uh, dad did. What for seven years? 
Seven years. Yeah, it's <laughs> not bad. To to yeah, <laughs> trying to do a master twenty past ten. Yeah, where does it right? So that's not too bad actually. However, it it would worth worth pointing out that if you've got a device from that era and it's not going to get iOS seventeen, mm. it's not the end of the it's not the end of the world. I've the only problem I noticed with running older software is that over time, maybe one or two, three versions afterwards, certain things break. So iMessage breaks like sometimes. And the one big thing that broke for me was Safari history and Safari oh, tabs. Oh, of course. And that, that was a deal breaker. So I, my old iMac, I ran that for about three years after it was un, was unsupported. And that was like, uh, okay. But if they are doing security updates... I think recently what Apple have been doing more officially, because I think the 12 update was for a critical bug. Uh, That's right. But I think recently what they've been doing is like, so when 16 came out, 15 got a bunch of patches and still got fixes for a little bit longer. So you probably buy right. yourself another year. Now, Yeah. I think our guidance, Crosswise guidance at least, will always be, once a device stops receiving security updates with core components like the browser, stop using it. It's at that point that once there's no security updates for a browser you're using, mm. that's when you have to stop using the device for, for, for certainly for sen- sensitive stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Shall we move on to macOS Sonoma? Yeah, definitely. So I, this update was quite small. That's the thing, thing I noticed really, like when they were doing the announcement, um, it was like, oh, is that is that it? But there's quite a bit of stuff though. It's it, there's, it's quality of life stuff now, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Now, well, he hasn't yet played. He hasn't yet got out his guitar, has he? No. Um. So our good friend Craig Federighi, of course, with his hair, it told <laughs> us about the crack marketing team once again. And um, I, I, I have to admit, I didn't quite get that bit this time. It was more me just maybe not paying attention. But I love that joke. Uh, Jay made him, how about Mac, Mac OS Citronella Candle? Like, oh dear. I don't get that reference, but... Yeah. I don't either, but I, I mean, look, it's a silly name. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? But Mac OS now has... I mean, it still has numbers, but it's n- none of the like mobile OSs or te- are, na- num- are named. I guess it's just a legacy, isn't it, of Mac OS? It really is. Yeah, you know, having names, um, which is fine. Mm. So widgets have got love. Um, they basically get moved to the desktop. I really like the way they've done this because it means it's glance. So when you're when it's glanceable, they sort of fade down when you're looking at other apps and they blend into the backgrounds so it means they're not as intrusive yes yeah, so, um and also widgets are shared from the iphone so uh, i saw someone on twitter today they've got a tesla and the tesla app now lives on their oh. mac os uh, widget and you can like turn the aircon on and do different things with the car so and does that and is that as in it will send it will interact with the iphone so the widget on the desktop sends with command to the iphone app I'm not sure. Possibly. That's an interesting one, isn't it? I think it would make sense for that to happen. Yeah, we don't, I think it would have to. You know, I know Windows 11 has desktop windows, which desktop windows, of course it does, desktop widgets, but I, I don't think it's quite as nice, really, is it? No. I just like, I like this. I've always thought when I've used, when I've out someone use my laptop, so, I just want them to be able to do everything on the laptop. I don't want to have to touch my phone for, for things. And that's notifications and things are, and widgets are things that I can't get get to, but now obviously I will be able to, which is awesome. 
Now then, what made me smile a little bit given this week's news is Apple. I don't think they did this intentionally. I think they, or maybe they did to try and get ready to change your mind. They mentioned Apollo. They gave- well, this this story has changed since Monday. Again, um, like the company is now shutting down fully. They've announced that, yeah. That, that's what I was going to say. Literally, Apollo have said, we're not going to be able to continue anymore because of Reddit's actions. Uh, is, look, this is another extortion API story, and I don't want to spend too long going into it, but what was it? 20 million we were talking about a, a year. year. Yeah. Apollo's not that big of a company. So, unfortunately, that kind of sends Reddit onto our list of, hey, don't use these guys. They're jerks. Obviously, I recognize people do. And, you know, uh, Tales from Tech Support is still a great Reddit. But, yeah, it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Okay, uh, let's have a look. Jay made it. So Jay's currently just away from uh, from recording at the moment. Just uh, she had to run an errand because time. Uh, but Jay made a really good point. But a lot of this reminds me of the original. Like I think it was in Ty. I think it was in Tiger. The widgets on the dashboard in macOS Tiger. Now, of course, Alex would have been too young to remember macOS Tiger. I yes. was. Whereas I, de- I, it was on my first Mac. My first Mac was an <laughs> Intel one. I think called, it was a Core 2 Duo 20-inch iMac, white plastic iMac. And I remember, I do remember, you know, um, V. So, yeah, it was nice to see these back. Let's talk Safari, because we already hinted a little bit about Safari. So, private browsing. Now, l- let me ask you this, really. Private browsing does have a lot of uses beyond, should we say, questionable content hiding. Yeah, I tend to use it to make sure things aren't cached. So sometimes, when I was when I was moving my website last year to AWS, I was constantly making sure things weren't cached. So I was using private browsing to make to obviously force the deletion of cache to make sure that it was I could force load things. And also, when I'm searching for certain search terms for work and adverts and things, I want to make sure that what's appearing isn't isn't like forced. Of, of my browsing history for Got me. you. You're, lo- you're looking for a, cl- a clean feed, as it were. Yes, that's that's the only reason okay. I use it, yeah. No, I, and I do the same. Or if you need to, in Safari, um, like I've wanted to test for sharing links from Nextcloud, private browsing means I can do that without worrying about being logged in. It, it's kind of cool. Yeah. The other use case, if you want two accounts of the same thing logged in at the same time. Yes, that is a problem. Sorry, that is a problem. Well, it yep. was until... Recently, until this, we're going to talk about that actually, aren't we? But it also locks private, this version of Safari will lock private browsing behind Face ID in iOS. Now, this is in iOS 17. I don't believe this is a, is this in macOS as well? Let's have a look. Doesn't okay. say. So it might just be, although, because in theory it could do, because you've got Touch ID on the Mac, so um, we're not sure. Yeah. Kills trackers again. Like, it's kind of like, um, you know, Silly Bang kill, kills Night... No? <laughs> yeah. Uh, me smile. This is good. This is good, but Apple are doing this. I think, for me, this next one is... Oh, this is making me very much glad that this... Exi- I, I'm thinking iCloud Keychain is an excellent option for people who maybe don't need the power of things like 1Password. Yeah. I've, I've used 1Password. It's not my favorite thing to use. Like, I appreciate it's really good. But I, I'm not a fan of using extra apps and plugins if you don't. So I, I use iCloud Keychain, always have for quite a while. And the ability to share passwords with people is going to be a great feature. Like 
the 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 supermarket website we use we use the same account so we can both add items to it and the fact that we could just share the password and if i change the password that password gets updated but to send that password over which is that's huge and of course you could be able to share pass keys as well yeah from what i have you used pass keys uh, yes actually in fact my next cloud login has is pass key based on ios it right. works well really nice. well uh, and one uh, it's worth saying one password is adding passkey support and apple are really making passkeys on ios you know play nice with third party stuff because mm. you know that's going to be really important but this is cool and now you i think uh, correct me if i'm wrong you found this out it can actually be more, we were speculating on monday is it just one group no multiple groups from what i from what i found out i can't remember where i found it from there was all sorts of things bouncing around on monday but I believe it is multiple groups. Which I think is, is great. Now, profiles, because Chrome and, um, I don't, I don't know if, Firefox? I think Firefox does. Yes, Firefox does. Firefox has profiles, but Chrome certainly does. And again, that's one way to allow you to log into different accounts. Now, I've obviously done stuff, um, I, we, well, I say I've, crosswise, we've done a video on multi-account containers for Firefox, which is a great way to do it, but, you know, that doesn't exist in, in Safari, but I think this is the first time Safari's ever done profiles. Yeah, it is. It's, this hasn't existed. Obviously, there are more ways that people are working from home. Maybe people are using their own machines. I use my own machine for all my stuff. And the fact you could split... I'm not sure if it's more than two profiles as personal work. I'd imagine they're better to there's more. Yeah. Make, make more. So you could have one for... Well, I mean, you could have one for work, one for crosswires, and one for home stuff, so... I mean, I do, uh, I do, there are times I wish my company would let me use my own, you know, BYOD, bring my own device. Cause, you know what? There's certain things, uh, there's certain things I really miss on, win, uh, from, from my Mac, like, you know, clipboard. Yes, Windows 10 does have clipboard history, but our, our, our organization's IT have decided that's a security risk, so it's been disabled. Stupid. Right. Because it can get cleared <laughs> anyway. Let's not go down that path. Um, yeah. But I think this is really cool. Now, the next thing, uh, web apps. Now, this is not web apps as you, these aren't progressive web apps. So it's not anything to do with this. Effectively, it allows you to turn any website into a app on the dock or. It's better described as a shortcut. Yeah. But a simple shortcut. So it basically opens a. A new web, a new web, uh, window, but with less window chrome. So someone suggested on Twitter, I think Sammy did, Sammy Fath, Sammy Fathy, uh, that you could use that as a replacement for Twitter because the Twitter app on macOS is no longer supported. Yes. Oh, you could because it would take the website's, uh, touch icon. Yeah. Cause on iOS, you can do this already. You've been able to add to home screen for quite a long time. Yep. And I think this is brilliant, but I like this idea. What I'm very interested in testing, so our, the music service we use for our streams, Pretzel, their app and a lot of other apps like Discord, like Slack, are Electron-based. And we all know what that does to memory consumption, right, folks? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's why you need a 16-gig uh, Apple Silicon Mac just to run Slack. I do wonder what this is going to be like. Will this be better? You know, like running, for example, Discord... In the browser. Yeah, as a Safari web app. Yeah, Jay mentioned in the show notes, this is like Sherlock, a lot of apps like Fluid and there's other ones, but you know what? It's, it's better that it's better that these are built you know, into Safari. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. 
Sonoma. Oh, son- oh, now this now I don't. Is this so, there's one other feature that's tagged at the end here? The verification codes can now auto fill from emails. This is a system wide feature. So iOS, macOS. It was only it was revealed in the macOS section. That's why I think because this is like a running order of the keynote. So this is cool because. Again, I mean, we talked about, you know, services that rely on two-factor codes from text. Some still do emails. But actually, I think you made a really good point. But actually, it's when you maybe need to change an email address. Yeah, so I've I've been updating some accounts recently, uh, changing email addresses and things. And they always get you to do an email code, and you could just get it get it through. Obviously, it's only going to work with Apple Mail because they can't see your Gmail. But for people that have everything connected in Apple Mail... In the Apple Mail app, mm. sorry. That would work pretty well. Which, I mean, look, let's be very, very honest. Apple Mail is actually a great email client. Yeah, I use it for pretty much everything. Well, it's got really good support for pretty much every mail standard out there. Like, you know, you can actually even use Exchange and Office 365 for it. It is that good. So let's, again, as we did at the end of the iOS section, let's uh, talk about what's getting dropped because... Mm, Oh, this is actually quite sad. Okay. Bye-bye 12-inch MacBook. No longer... Well, mm, no longer supported is the wrong... It dro- so you won't be able to run Sonoma. Now, macOS typically, from unofficially, it's usually been current version plus two back in terms of security updates. So it's not actually too bad in this case. So the 12-inch MacBook, 2017 MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, the 27-inch... 2017 iMac. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Apple. That's mine gone. Uh, Basically, uh, uh, Mac's made after 2017. Oh, ah, this is why. Okay. Right. So anything that does not have a T2 chip. Yeah, and for reference, the T2 chip is a A10 CPU which handles video and encoding. This is like, I only just thought about it, this is like Apple doing some own silicon stuff before full transition so it's like a separate co-processor to do video encoding additional security and i think it handles touch id it handles touch id uh yes and touch bar so it did be touch bar yes that's right yes yep yeah so this makes a lot of sense as as you said a bridge between the Intel era, M one M two, but yeah, it handled Touch Bar on on Touch Bar Max. It did a lot, and I think it made it possible to do some other stuff as well. Oh, it made it possible for um for apps to use for macOS apps to use unlock with Apple Watch that weren't native. That's right, macOS. That that's right. So, yeah. yep, it makes sense. It really does. It, it does mean I'm in the market for a new Mac this year. That's fine. I'm looking at that. It's all good. So, Alex, let me ask you something. Did did you? So we're gonna. We, there's a section we're gonna come back to because Jay's just away. But audio and home. What was a he wearing, and b Craig <laughs> Federighi playing? That was intense. I, we were talking on Monday. I thought they were just miming, but there were some video recordings from the talk show with John Gruber. There were. Some like somebody filming their phone. He actually pulled out a guitar and started playing it on stage, so he can actually play guitar. And that, <laughs> and he pretty is very impressive what he managed to do. So I'm impressed. I mean, this guy's a. I, I think there's a lot to there's a there? lot to Craig beyond just the hair. But let's start with AirPods. Some pretty decent updates, really. 
Yeah, there's this new adaptive audio mode, which is going to be a combination of proper ANC and transparency, which will apparently intelligently realise what bits of the world you need to listen to and what bits you don't. They gave us they gave you some nice examples, like somebody coming past on a bike with a a bell to go ding ding, and you'll be able to hear that. Versus any traffic, you wouldn't be able to hear it. Not entirely sure how it does it, but pretty pretty clever nonetheless. And like traffic signals, like with crosswalk, you'd probably hear like with, yeah 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 that that makes perfect sense. Or someone shouting, "Oi, you! Are you gonna pay for that thing?" Maybe. <laughs> uh, that's really cool. The next one I really like the idea of because look, I were made for iPhone heat range, but one time before I did have that, I did something very stupid. And I somehow managed to... I'm going to embarrass myself here. Somehow managed to get an, a, a cotton bud shoved so far into my ear that I actually damaged my eardrum. I, uh, the, 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 <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I somehow managed to let a door slam on my ear while there was a cotton bud. I'm not going to go into what stupidity I did, but it did mean my hearing was damaged for quite a, a few days. So... I thought, well, how do I solve this? So I use Live Listen with my AirPods and my iPhone to compensate for hearing loss. It was hilarious. Oh, you made it sound like it was a more re- a, an old a thing did ages ago. So this is a very this recent. Is very thing, recent. Yes, yeah, so this is very recent. This is like a couple of years ago. Oh. Yeah, I'm stupid. I'm <laughs> stupid. I am, look, I am deaf in one ear, but so that doesn't help matters. But this this idea of conversational words is very much like what my hearing aids can do by allowing me to tune the microphones forward or back or side. The idea is that this will boost the volume of the people you're talking to, from what I understand. And mm-hmm. this is I think cool. Because so. it will help people with hearing loss who don't necessarily need hearing, lo- hearing aids. Yes, uh, good feature. It's not a full replacement, I don't think, for hearing aids, because obviously they don't last no. as long. No, they don't. Uh, my hearing aids do last all day. Um, and the, you know they are there's some form of magnetic charging. It's kind of cool, but yeah, you can now tap to mute and unmute the AirPods on the stem. Uh, what we're basically saying is this allows you to be more engaged and you know have better co- it, it, it's better noise cancelling, better conversations when you're using your AirPods. And then I think a big thing, right, is they've improved the speed and reliability of switching between devices now i don't currently have airpods but i think you've had this frustration yeah it's not it's a bit hit and miss so i the features on these on these headphones here um and it doesn't work a hundred percent of the time but it'd be good to see some sort of improvement because it's one of the a bit of a pain point for me it is something i mean look the fact it does it because not a lot of headphones will actually do that right oh i know yeah it's pretty good yeah i think it's great right so home got a bit of an update it's something you messaged about. So, unlike a lot of other access control systems and security sensors, there's no activity log, or wasn't, in HomeKit. No, so like temperature sensors and door sensors, you'd have to rely on... HomeKit only told you a snapshot of what you could see right now, and you have to go to the third-party apps to see all the history. So, if you had an EVE window sensor, door sensor, you'd have to go into the EVE app uh. to see all the times it opened. And by the sound of things, there's a lot more management coming to the home app. I mean, last year when they added Matter support, HomeKit accessories with Matter can now be updated. Their software can now be updated from the home app. You don't even need a third-party app oh, for those wow. anymore, which is a massive feature. Uh, and the fact that they're getting logging f- 
for door locks and hopefully temperature sensors which is a massive massive uh, feature that is really cool oh i know let's talk about one thing because obviously you're a resident car car person um, uh, apple music and carplay yeah it's a there was one update to carplay this year it was very relatively small compared to everything else you can basically do share play uh, which i think you and jay use to do watching films and things you can use share play locally in the same car to to sort of all com- all collaborate on the on music and what's playing which is it's without having to pass around an aux cable that's kind of handy but in fact it's very very handy oh i see yes i see exactly what you're saying you'll be able to share play it so that it can play off a main yes i see what you're saying that makes sense yeah, good feature. Um, Alex, quick question for you. Why are so many car makers getting rid of CarPlay? Because it seems like such a good OS of well, in-car entertainment system. Yeah, so the latest one was GM, and they just, they've said on all their future EVs that um, CarPlay is not going to be an option, which is massive misstep, because apparently a lot of people really want, well, apparently a lot of people choose their car based on if it supports CarPlay. I think like 97% of people, I think. It's mainly because of Android Automotive, so the two that ones I can think of are Volvo and Polestar, and I think I think Ford are going to be using it as well. Basically, they're using Android as the OS for the car, and at this time, I don't think it supports CarPlay. That's the main reason. Interesting. Didn't you say that the amount of data that Android Automotive wants compared with CarPlay is quite shocking? The amount of data they want, the amount of data that Android Auto wants compared to CarPlay. Is the big thing. I think. I think it's back in 2018. I think Porsche just said we're not going to support Android Auto because of how much data they want. And all all CarPlay wants to know is if the car's moving or not, just for safety reasons. Whereas Android Auto wants to know how fast you're going. I think what heading you had and all sorts of things. It was too much. Too much data. I think that makes a lot of sense. Right. Oh, so um, photo photo's got a little bit of an update. I thought I'd wait for Jay to come back to share this because Jay's a pet lover. So am I. Uh, we will probably have pets. Uh, photos will now recognise cats and dogs as part of a family, which I think is wonderful. Because look, how many? You know, we we all care deeply about. Well, those of us who have pets care deeply about them. Uh, I don't. Well, I did, and it's great that you can include those in. in there. And <laughs> I think. It, oh, I'm rambling, but yeah, that's kind of cool. We just wanted to mention it. Yeah, because it's a future dog, mommy. <laughs> Um, we have a bit of macOS that we need to go back to, but before we do that, let's talk, because, Jay, I know you want to talk about this, Apple TV and tvOS 17. And actually, this will loop back in. So, first of all, new control center. Alex, it's nice, isn't it? It's a bit... There's a lot more access to main system settings, so you can turn the Apple TV off. The access for HomeKit's a lot easier as well, so you can access a lot more devices, I believe, for what I've seen so far. And also, you can change profiles without having to hold the TV button and then access the, the controls. That is really good. You you can now you can't. So you we originally thought you'd be able to find your TV remote in Find My. That's not the case. It's just via the iPhone, right? Yeah. From what I've, I don't think anyone's covered it just yet. But you can, if you lost the remote somewhere, don't it won't play a sound. You can just use the ultra wide sensor to try and find it, which is nice. Like when your cat uh, plays with your Apple TV remote and loses it, <laughs> I had to buy a new one. Nice. Now the next thing is kind of big. So, look, I know we, me and Jay, and I don't know if you've ever had this, Alex, family calls 
when you want to bring <laughs> everyone on to FaceTime. <laughs> and, you know, oh, it's like, oh, okay, let's airplay the FaceTime, but put the cam, put the iPhone or the iPad onto a little stand so everyone can see. It's not great, is it? It's a horrible experience, especially when you've got very pedantic brother-in-laws <laughs> who insist on trying to set everything up with multiple camera angles and lenses that don't need to be there. Right? <laughs> um, what do you mean? I don't I know. Love what you, brother, I mean. love you listening. <laughs> <laughs> we love him, really. This is really cool. Con- so FaceTime is coming to Apple TV. It's going to use continuity camera from your iPhone. And which is great because there's so many of those amazing little MagSafe um, and other phone tripods that you can just easily use. But all the actual FaceTime UI is going to be on the TV. I, I just think this is fantastic, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, really good. Because, I mean, how many times... I remember I FaceTime people before, and it's like trying to hold awkwardly mm-hmm. the iPad somewhere in a, in a group of people, and you're like, ugh. And it's going to be great to be able to just put up there. And one cool thing with, with this is they're going to then allow Zoom and WebEx and stuff like that. But also, they're going to now allow... Probably, hopefully, Discord. Um, hopefully, next how talk. I mean, different apps that that could do video calling could be here. And and what's great is is like last night I was at a meeting that used a Zoom controller with iPads and stuff like that. It'd be so great to have that be on a on an Apple TV or something similar. Yeah. Well, uh, but the really good thing about this as well, the iPhone's going to use center stage, so that's going to be supported. I I mean, I think yeah, any app that will be able to use it, it's good. Um, I'd love to see Nextcloud talk on there. Not that we've got it enabled. But for me, actually, one of the big things I love about this is what's good, it's going to mean with SharePlay. Because SharePlay at the moment means you will have the, the call on one device and then we'll have the SharePlay going to the TV. Whereas this experience will mean that you get to see other people's video on the same screen as you're watching the SharePlay content. I'm curious how this will also work with with AirPods, for instance, because you can use AirPods or Bluetooth headsets. And I'm wondering, because that would be really cool to be able to then have... Oh, e- oh I see. Well, oh, that's going to be interesting. Where would it then get the audio from? Would it still get it from the phone, or would it get it from the AirPods? That's a very good question. My guess is there'll probably be like a microphone f- function or setting inside of uh the apple tv but yeah this is this is huge i mean th- again i set up a i know it's a slightly different thing but I, i've set up um chromecast and chromeboxes for stuff like this and this would be this would be huge to just have it on the apple tv so i mean we, we just talk about obviously i think look facetime and other apps being able to use the continuity camera on apple tv is amazing the other one, and I don't think Jay's more excited about this than most people are, VPN support. Apple are going to allow third-party VPNs apps onto Apple TV. Now, this means you'll be able to use the likes of things like NordVPN or our favorite VPN solution, Tailscale. Now, you might think, well, why would you want to... Well, I say why would you want... I mean, Alex, it's kind of obvious why you'd want a VPN providers app on on your apple tv right well yeah there are like things you can do you could do what you could have a unified network and you could have a vpn you could terminate your vpn on the on the router and then say per client use that vpn but not everyone's got that so you can you can now sign into the vpn on your apple tv and that's useful for accessing content that might not be available in your area um i mean like 
I mean, I imagine if Jay comes to the UK that you want to watch certain TV shows that are US only, so you can do that if you've got a VPN on, the t- on Apple TV. It, it will work really well. So our hope is that uh, Tailscale are going to bring their app, which will mean that actually what Jay would be able to do is from her Apple TV, because uh, I'm actually thinking of ditching Plex in favour of Jellyfin. And hmm. with Tailscale, that should be possible. Yes. So... Very cool. Uh, so, Alex, we, we talked a little bit about sort of, you know, VPNs and traveling. Now, AirPlay, some hotels have done Apple TV, but the AirPlay pairing sequence is code-based. And I know, Jay, you've had tr- tr- trouble with this in conference venues. What's this new AirPlay for hotels thing, Alex? Because this does more than just pair the Apple TV, doesn't it? Yeah, so on the Apple website, it, it pictures the QR code, which you could use to not only sign into the the Wi-Fi, but also connect to the Apple TV. So you could, in one QR code, somehow, we're not, we discussed this in our recording, we're not entirely sure how it's going to work, but it will get your device onto the Wi-Fi and the, uh, connect with the Apple TV. Actually, it's not Apple TVs that they're using in the, in the rooms. It's, it's Air, it's AirPlay-enabled TVs. Oh, that's, I found that out yesterday. That makes that's sense. huge. Yeah. Yeah. So that means that they're working with their hotel, um, yes. system, because I, because I know, so, they must be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true because I'm imagining hotels will have, you know, custom firmware on TVs. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. That's why it's taking time to roll out. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, there's a few other little. You can now use Siri to start an AirPlay session. Actually, that in itself is actually kind of cool because all that means is that you will be able to say, "Hey, Apple lady, play this song or this thing." from this service on my HomePod. And it will take it from the phone. It will grab the AirPlay session. Effectively, what's going to happen is it's going to allow HomePods to initiate AirPlay from your phone, Mm -hmm. which is kind of big. Yeah, and and one thing that like it that it brings is like Spotify Connect is a actually pretty cool service, being able to start things anywhere and send it. and, And it's sort of at least making it where Spotify is not not as much of a second class citizen mm. on HomePod. Yeah, can we also get a uh, Hey Apple Lady on a t shirt? Uh, yes, I can definitely do Hey Apple Lady <laughs> as merch. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. absolutely. All right, look, I'm going to move us back up into macOS stuff because there's one thing that we wanted to talk about with Jay here, and that is because look, me and Jay are both obviously game streamers, and Jay has certainly discovered that Macs have not historically been good for gaming. Now, they announced game mode that's coming to Sonoma. Now, what does this mean, folks? What does this mean for the Mac? Does this mean the Mac's now going to be able to play every game? I don't think so. I have an interesting perspective on this, by the way. Um, I don't think this is actually for Mac OS, and as much as it's part of getting ready for vision and vision games. It's going to help Mac, but with the M chip inside of vision, I think this is helping maybe court some more developers to start developing for Mac. Then, Hey, maybe port your game over. Now it's already running in metal. Maybe port it over to also running on, on vision and stuff like that. Because so this is, this mode is going to make it where they think that that are running on metal you can give better performance because like windows for instance has the ability to say hey this is, a, this is the game give the performance to the game when this is running and like stop background tasks stop things like like the bluetooth and things that would also like affect battery give it to the game at this at this way 
and it's apparently going to be working with a lot of apps. I, I believe even apps that are not metal based. And I think one idea you and I have is, could this be a thing with OBS? Could this give OBS, for instance, priority when you're streaming? It would be very interesting to see if that's the case. Now, I think the bigger thing here is this game porting toolkit. Yes. Now, Alex, you, I think you said something. Does this involve direct, there's talking about the direct tra- translation layers here. Yeah, it says uh, new DirectX 12 to Metal Translation could bring a world of Windows games to macOS. Um, apparently, it's going to be a case-by-case support for Windows uh, API, which is DirectX 12. So that could be that could be but huge. It's about what Valve have been doing with Proton and Vulkan. Is it Vulkan, Jay? It, it, it is Vulkan um, with the with it, but it, but but like. Pr- that's the layer that, that Proton uses. I don't think Valve themselves is having is having developers, for instance, rewrite stuff, whereas this seems like it's more rewriting stuff for metal, for whereas Valve is just trying to translate what they've already written for PC games. Right. I d- yeah, I don't know quite. Well, they said it could mean that games can be done in a matter of hours rather than months. That seems to suggest there is translation layers here. I don't know. This is so hard to know about, right? Yeah. Yeah. And some things that, that are part of this too is they, 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 they've dropped the audio latency or is that only in game mode? That's in game mode. That's in game mode. In game mode. So, so in the game mode, they've, they've uh, been able to drop the audio latency and control latency to, which in like crucial things like, like, like competitive gaming is very critical to, to get that victory royale for, as, as the kids will say. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I think this is potentially good, but the harsh reality is this still relies on developers getting on board. And yeah. unfortunately, uh, Apple's past efforts and their relationship with developers, especially Epic, is not going to do them favors here. Now, that said, they said about a game demo, I'm thinking, oh, what's this going to be? And then they brought on Hideo Kojima. I was getting very, very excited, thinking, oh, we're going to get a Metal Gear Solid remake from a Mac. Is that coming? And I was thinking, because Metal. I thought, oh, Metal. Metal Gear? Sorry, hang on. Metal Gear. <clears throat> First floor basement. Sorry, you have to get that reference from, from Metal Gear. But no, he was showing off Death Stranding. His other game um, is, is coming as a, uh, uh, as a director's edition type thing. Uh, to the Mac, and it does look gorgeous. I've seen that game played, and I mean, one Norman Reedus is really cute in that, but like, also, it is just a great game. Like, like, it, 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 as in a like, it's it's nice. It's a walking, it's a walking simulator, but it has a storyline, and like, it makes you makes you cry. So it's a game I, I want to play. Cool. All right, we might have to play that. Um, next thing I just want to quickly touch on is the presenter overlay stuff that they're doing for video conferencing, because if at the moment you want to put your image, your video, um, in on top of like slide content stuff, you have to use something like OBS or something else, right? Where's or, or you know you record everything through an app. Alex, what do you use? You use something? I use something called Screen Studio, which um overlays my face over mac os which is i can even do custom zooms and things which That's are quite very cool. cool but you know for people who just need a simple thing this will work really well it's got two effective levels it's got put your face in a nice round circle which looks good 
Well, then it does, um, it's using, again, machine learning and it's going to pull, it's probably using a very similar technique it does to the, uh, to the pulling people from backgrounds to isolate you from a background and overlay you now. If the results that they show are what they show, this looks so much better than every single, you know, all those like YouTube shorts and TikToks with the horrible overlay of people, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Chopped off or it's like flickering. This solves yes. that problem. And, and, and that annoying TikTok voice and all that. <laughs> but I also see a use for this. Um, because this can be used in any app, not just Apple apps, not just like FaceTime calls. Yes, it's going, it's going to be, it's going to expose just as a, as a webcam. I think it's the same way that, uh, center stage, if you're using continuity camera right now, or in, yeah, or uh, with a map that supports center stage, turning that on is system level. So any app can use it. Which I have some ideas for streams and, and, and how those, these can be used for like presentations for streams and stuff like that. So I've got some ideas. I mean, okay. I, I, I just for, for, for coffee chats. I'll, I'll talk with you later on, but I love this idea. Again, I found the, the Apple background separation. I've used it sometimes. It's actually pretty good. It's not perfect. And I think if you add it with a, a green screen behind you, it could go even better. Well, I think the idea is you don't need, but, but this is not for people like us necessarily. This is for people who, the, the idea is you should not need a green screen. Yeah. But I'm saying if you add that, it can make your results even better. Awesome. All right. Let's move on quickly. Watch OS. Is there anything, I mean, look, watchOS is getting kind of a redesign in terms of it's allowing widgets on non-widget complication-focused watch faces, which I think is cool. The very first version, do you remember the very first version of watchOS, yeah. like watchOS yeah. Zero? Yeah. That had, that had, like, glances, it was called. These are, it sort of returned to those again. You're right, it did, yes, because yeah. you could actually go and, like, yeah, so this is actually getting a little bit back. It does look very cool. Let's just say, Snoopy watch face. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I wanted to look, there's been a few updates but, so to uh, so workouts. Cool to see accessory support for uh, Bluetooth bike sensors that give you more readings like, uh, the, I think it's called FTP, which is, I forgot what that even means, but yeah, it's kind of cool. I think the one that's the most impressive is what's going to allow you to do is your live activity for your workout is going to be displayable on your phone. So if you've got one of those handlebar mounts for your phone, you can see all your your um, bike uh, cycling workout, which I think is very handy. Uh, yeah, absolutely, it's bringing in that 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 connectivity and and the bringing in the make like making your your phone and your watch a great great companions. Absolutely, hiking is the one I did want to talk a little bit a little bit because just because of your updates, compass. So compass is now going to show you. For the last place you got a cellular connection or had one if you lose it, which means that if you need to go back and get connectivity, you can follow the waypoint back and f- get your connectivity. Same for where you can make an emergency SOS call on any carrier. That's really good. You know, elevation view means you get to see. It's kind of like almost like a sci-fi radar view, but it'll show you the elevation around you uh, for the compass. I think that's really cool because that's going to help you understand, okay, you're heading in this direction. It's about to get really hilly, right? (laughs) You know, topographic view in maps. Again, good to plan your routes. And then maps will now let you find trails and trailheads and let you see the details of the trail before you set off now. I assume that's going to be limited. It's not going to be. Every, it's not going to know about every trail straight away. But we'll probably keep adding to it as we go on. 
uh, and then workout APIs means basically third party apps on your phone can push workout types to your watch. And I think that's all that needs to be said about watchOS, right? Absolutely. Pretty much. Okay. The next one, look, um, quickly, uh, cause I'm swapping these around cause, um, we're not rushing. I'm just very aware. We have another podcast to record and this is an epic episode already. So this is going to be fun. Apple are doing some stuff help to help with a condition called myopia, which is a light sensitive condition. I don't know enough about it, but I know it's very prevalent in children. So what they're doing is logging daylight exposure for kids and also doing device measure distance measurement as well using, the, I think it's going to use a true depth camera to determine how far away the screen is and tell the user that it's too close. As Jay makes a great point, parents no longer have to nag their kids about this. Apple can do it for them. Because I was the one who, my parents always like, Jay, you're too close to the TV. <laughs> so this, it, our last sort of thing, and I think this is, our, yes, it is, unless I've missed something. Mental health. I don't want to rush through this. This is really important. Look, I think, I want to say, obviously, first of all, if you are some, if you have, if you're listening and you struggle with mental health, please make sure you're getting the support you need wherever possible. I know it's not always easy. I, I, I can't say that we can help with that. I can tell you that our Discord is a very friendly place, but we are not a replacement for any form of mental health uh, support. So just say that. But this looks really cool. Basically, it's going to be a new app and it's a mindful app. Now, Jay, how how does this fit because oh actually alex let me ask you first of all i think we've all suffered in the last couple of years i think the world has suffered with increased mental health issues certainly over those many many months have been effectively locked it well forced to stay inside but do you think i mean what this is basically doing is helping you record your mood you said you weren't quite sure how that helps yeah, personally, I've tried to do that before. It doesn't tend to help that well. But and I think I think we were discussing it on Monday. I think there was something that was helping Jay. I think more than more than anything. But personally, not not particularly. No, yeah. and, and and I think that's the thing. Everyone is going to have a different experience of what works for them. And it's just like things like medication. What meds that work for one person won't work for another. So please make sure that you're seeking the right advice. Again, I cannot reiterate that enough. But Jade, can you explain why this would be helpful for you? In, in a few different ways. I, I struggle with, with, with mental health, and I've not, I've not at all hidden that from, from, like, I've been very public over the last few years about my mental health uh, struggles. And w- when I was tracking it last, last April, for instance, is when I realized that I needed to seek help from my doctor for like medication so um this can be a good way to 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 track how 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 your your cycle affects your mood for instance because there's also cycle tracking and that can be for for individuals who menstruate and also for for trans and trans women trans individuals it can be a big thing to see how how things are, are going but one of the biggest things here is like you can also use it if you if you're undergoing therapy you can track your mood and then you can talk to your therapist and be like, hey, here's how my mood was this last week. One thing that they're trying to do is they're adding assessments so you can kind of see, like, am I going through depression or am I going through a down moment? And the biggest thing about all this stuff, I have to iterate again, it is on device and it is end-to-end encrypted. So it is all data that you can be vulnerable 
but it's you don't have to worry about your data being leaked somewhere else. That's really important, especially when you're dealing with mental health and be, you know, be able to take that to a therapist. Now, I think this is really good. I don't know if I'm going to use it, but it, it, it is good. It's a good thing. Listen, I want to thank you both for the time because it's obviously been a lot of time. Alex, particularly for you, I know I I know this has been another late one, and I really do appreciate it. Please do thank your partner <laughs> for us for allowing you to stay up so late. <laughs> um, now, That's all right. before we wrap up, I want to talk quickly, very quickly, about uh, our, our usual beta PSA. Now, turns out this year, the develop- so the developer betas are out. They are now free. You do not have to pay for a developer account, a developer thing to get them. Public betas next month. But please be responsible with betas. They are beta software. Like, I mean, Alex, let, really quickly, let me ask you this. Let, let's flip this around. So betas in a production environment, like in a network environment, would you ever run beta channel updates on a unified network in a mission-critical environment? Absolutely not. I've run it on lab stuff, but not not in a place where it matters. No, definitely not. I, I've had problems with, yeah, I've I've made the stupid mistake ages ago to run beta software on my phone, and it messed like had so many weird bugs and stuff. I just never do it again. And as you mentioned, I haven't got a developer account, but if you go to updates on your phone, you can access the seventeen developer beta. You can access sixteen public beta. So yeah, you could, without even logging in as a as a oh dev. wow, okay, so it's actually yeah. Now to be fair, to Apple have made it easier. Now this is great if you've got a spare device that you want to test on. Absolutely, go for it. But please, promises, folks. Jay, do you want to tell us what people should not do to developers? So during the uh, the public betas, if you're running one of these, please do not yell at developers. Maybe say, hey, this is a, a issue in your app, but don't be like, I am going to one-star you because your app's not working in my public beta. No, because the developer is taking this summer to frantically get their app updated so that way they're ready for launch day. So and they don't need another person yelling at them for not having their app updated when they themselves i know that like like marco has said some, some the summers are some of the most hectic for him when he's having to update overcast during that time so you can help them but be constructive be and again don't bombard them but just say hey here's an issue i'm seeing with the app yeah because they can they can address it remember they only get if if, if you go down a public beta channel they only got the betas a month before you did they have to continue to support their existing customers on the stable version so please be respectful but one final thing if you're going to install the beta of mac os maybe make sure you back up and if you need to back up your mac head over to crosswise.net forward slash backblaze for a 15 day no credit card required free trial of backblaze our amazing partner for backup um look it's seven dollars a month for unlimited backup per computer they have you can pay for extended file version we've got a great episode with um pat patterson from backblaze we'll link that in the show notes but you can also set up a group. You can have a business plan where you're paying for business backup. You can have a family plan. We do that. Me and Jay share a Backblaze sort of plan so that we can help pay for each other's backup. And it really does work well. Go and check it out. We highly recommend it. And that's our final sponsor spot for the night. Alex, can I thank you again for being here? Um, where can people find your content? They can find everything that I do at theinterface.uk. Uh, there's car reviews. There's three different podcasts that we're doing as well as tech news so it's uh there's a lot happening um keeps me very busy 
Awesome. And uh, Jay, we are going to be re-recorded doing another show in a bit. Um, I hope this episode comes out at a decent length. It's going to be very interesting to see what this actually comes out at. Because uh, unless I've missed time, this is, is probably something like, this might be three hours and 50, I don't know. I don't. Just four and a half hours. Oh, well, you. Oh, gosh, it is, isn't it? Well, that was. I don't think we started recording straight away, so. Oh, so okay. we might be yeah. okay. <laughs> I've got a lot of editing to do. Anyway, thank you, everyone. Uh, please send over your feedback, podcast at crosswise.net, and uh, we'll roll the outro. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cross Wires. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So please drop us a note over to podcast at crosswires.net. You can also drop us a comment on the post or if you're a good pod user, why not start a discussion there too? You can also join our new Discord server at crosswires.net forward slash Discord. We've got forum channels for each episode and we'd love you to join the discussion there. You can also follow us on Mastodon at crosswires at mastodon.social. And of course, you can find the show in all the good podcast apps and all the really bad ones too. More of our content, head on over to crosswires.net slash YouTube for all our videos and keep an eye on our Twitch channel at crosswires.net slash live or upcoming streams. If you like what we heard, please do drop a review in your podcast directory of choice. It really does help spread the word about the show. And of course, if you can spare even the smallest amount of financial support, we'd be incredibly grateful. You can support us at ko-fi.com slash crosswires. That is ko-fi.com slash crosswires. Until next time, thanks for listening.